Hi, this is Larry Hama, and you're listening to Star Joe's Podcast. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 130. My co-hosts suck. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm John. And I'm Shannon. And welcome back, everyone. That's right. Robert and Chuck couldn't be here tonight. Uh, They actually canceled last minute within the last hour. Um, Something about sick kids and a bunch of lies, basically. So I decided to call in the big leagues. And I reached out to Shannon, and I reached out to John, and they said, of course we're going to be there because it's Star Joe's, and that's important. So, I thought it was so, <laughs> that That, too, that comes later. So uh, the check's in the mail. So, <laughs> it's it's uh, a penny per hour. So, oh, uh, <laughs> better what I'm making now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how you guys? How you guys doing tonight? And please both both of you talk at the same time and t- let me know how you're doing. Doing great. How are you? <laughs> doing good. Um, Shannon, how are things going? How, how's the how's the art li- life of an artist going? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's wild and crazy, right? <laughs> it's not one writer; it's another. <laughs> so. Um, so one thing I think is very important to to talk about since I have both of you on here is, uh, unfortunately, Chuck and myself, we were not able to go to Baltimore this year. <clears throat> and uh, I definitely missed it. I, I I was, even though I had a great time at the Notre Dame game, seeing Michigan get <laughs> completely destroyed, um, it, I actually did really miss not being able to go to Baltimore this this year. So I have it on my calendar for next year. I can guarantee I'm going to be there, although based on the experience that I heard that Shannon went through, I don't know if he'll be there next year. wasn't all bad. wasn't all bad. <laughs> well, I did hear that uh, you had a little bit of a jungle fever uh, thing going on well, down there. Is that? I wouldn't call it jungle fever. I'd... <laughs> 
Malaria, maybe. <laughs> so, um, I heard you were solicited. Let's put it that way. Yeah, not in a good way. I was. Well, I was. Am I telling this story now? Is that what I'm doing? Yeah, okay. go for it. Let's do it. So anyway, I was. Anybody that has read my blog, and if you haven't, you can always go on there and find this. But I hadn't been back to Baltimore for a couple of years because I had a bad experience with the hotel room a couple of years ago that involved something of a, you know, rent-by-the-hour fiberglass heart-shaped tub next to the bed with mirrors over it. So this year when I decided to go back, I was like, I'm going to get a hotel that's near the convention center. And I got one that was actually, they had a discount through the Baltimore Con. Okay. But when I got there, I was like, tired and all of this stuff and what i really wanted was a bottle of wine and it was my birthday which has to be pointed out so it needs to be so it was boons then that you were going for yeah and i was was gonna live it live it large and i was gonna get some night train (laughs) thunderbird thunderbird um god that that's painful memory anyway that's another story um so it was my birthday and i was like i'm gonna celebrate Whatever. So I went out looking for a liquor store. And I walked everywhere that I could think of that would be a liquor store. Well, apparently there was one across the street in Caddy Corner from the damn hotel that I did not see. So as I'm walking over the the strip joint, wasn't it? Yes. That's the one. Ryan, we've been there. We know exactly where you are. (laughs) Okay. So, which I did not know because I'd never stayed at this hotel before. So I finally find this place. I see it. And I'm like, oh, I'll go there. And I'm walking. And as I'm cro- about to cross the street, I see this woman, I think it's a woman, standing on the, across the intersection. And she sees me. And she kind of, like, waves at me or whatever. And I'm like, uh. And we make eye contact. And she screams at the top of her lungs, you like black meat? <laughs> and at first I didn't, I didn't even know what she was asking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's a hooker. I'm like, No. No, I'm good. Thanks anyway. Appreciate the offer. Appreciate that. Not touching that with a 10-foot pole, man. And we know which pole I'm talking about. Right. Wouldn't touch that with Chuck's pole. His RHP. His RHP. Right. So, yeah. So, but what, that's what I can't figure out. It's like every time I go to Baltimore Con, something freaky like that happens to me. And it's always like weird sex shit. Right? It's not. It's not like normal stuff. It's the heart-shaped tub at the Hooker Hotel, run by an Indian family that refuses to give you that discount because your hotel room got to. You know, I just. Oh, I don't so, know what it is about Baltimore. It hates me. My. So, Chris. Shannon, I never heard. What did Mel have to say about the uh, black meat incident? You know what? What's so funny with Mel is. She takes everything in stride. Nothing seems to affect my wife. Like, I could come home and go, oh, honey, I've got a spike through my head. You know, I fell on a train track or something. And she'd be like, oh, what do you want for dinner? That's the way she reacts to everything. Is this going to interrupt my plans? Yeah, it's kind of like, are, are you okay? Can you breathe? All right, let's move on. It was like the time I got arrested. She was like, oh, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, God, I just got arrested for trying to protect some woman in traffic from some jerk that had road rage. Good for you. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> like, that's how she reacts to everything. Nothing phases her. I'm just hearing that she's, like, always hungry for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, she's not. Yeah, don't let that throw you. She's she's reasonably proportioned. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, how? John's seen her. John's met my wife. She smells like absolutely delightful. Is she like 900 pounds that she's always having dinner? No, 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 no. I'm sorry, I did not mean to insult your wife. No, no, but, but no, she is not. <laughs> um, I guess that's probably the good thing to have, though, is somebody that, because you're, you know, you're always Mr. Excitement, so. Well, apparently in Baltimore I am. Like, wait for me to come. And then we had the, and then we had the, the girl at the table, John. Tell them that story. Which, which girl? Oh yes, Captain, yeah. Captain America. Oh, oh yeah. So, <laughs> so we're we're at the table. Uh, I believe okay. it was on Saturday, yep. and this very statuesque blonde wearing a Captain America outfit with a I don't know, Shannon, would you call it a tutu, some type yeah. of poofy skirt? Yeah, tutu. very attractive young lady comes up and says, "Hello, how are you?" And oh, we're just fine, thank you. And she says, "Oh, we're having a party tonight." Love for you guys to come. Here's a ticket for a free drink. Yeah, it's for the local strip joint. Nice. So we're, we're in the kids section. We're in the kids section. So two. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so two tables down, my friend Ben Taylor, who may or may not be listening to this, a British gentleman of some uh, renown in this area, suddenly says, uh, "You realize we're in the kids section, right?" And they subsequently had her dismissed from the show. Um, sure. The but best not, part not was until that, after having. Taking a picture with a little girl who was also yes. dressed up as Captain America. Yes. Oh, nice. Now again, she was not dressed like a hooker. Sure. No, she, she was actually dressed. She was actually pretty well clothed. She was very well clothed. Um, much more clothed than our friend the Tarzan Man, who was there again yes. this year. Uh, <laughs> who, who had that action figure made? I still want to ask that guy if he's got the file because I want one. Yes, our friend Rock actually sent me pictures on Twitter of him saying how he missed me. Uh, the Tarzan man missed me. So, uh, <laughs> it was not just the Tarzan man, Ryan. I will say, you know, uh, and Shannon, I well, know the you hooker, the hookers seen. were missing you. Right. <laughs> I, I will, <laughs> the black meat hookers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say this year's show, um, they made some changes. They moved to the other side of the uh, convention center. So they right, did hear about that. Yeah. Doubled yeah. the space roughly. Um, so much more open and not didn't feel as crowded as last year's show. Uh, they added a date, so the you know you started on Friday afternoon, so uh, you know had a whole you know that whole third day really changed the the numbers and changed the feel. You know that first day was from what Shannon, what was it like one to seven, and so. Yeah. You know, a little more time to, to hang out. Uh, brought in some new celebrity guests. They had Peter Mayhew, who our good friend Grub, who was kind enough to let me uh, bunk with him at his apartment. Uh, Grub was the local point of contact for Peter Mayhew's people. And yeah, so, he did tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, and so he met him, and he didn't introduce me, but whatever, I'll get over it. Uh, <laughs> very charming gentleman with extremely large hands. Uh <laughs> Uh, and sitting on a, his booth was three or four foot taller than everybody else's. But, uh, but no, just a, uh, it was a, I, it was a great show for me. Um, I know Shannon had a lot of people coming by and, and, and loving his stuff and loving what he's doing with Real American Hero right now. Got to see the, the, the normal crew as such, you know, the Mike Myers and, uh, right. Chris Campbell, Daryl Taylor, 
Tom King was there moving books and talking, uh, talking Grayson and congratulations to him. He had a line every time I saw him. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just a, a like I said, you guys were certainly missed. Robert was there and his sister. It was nice to meet her. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a just a good time all around. And uh, it, of course, Rock. How could I how could I certainly forget? I can't forget Rock. I, I don't even want to try and think of who else was there other than to say, great show. Had a great feel this year. Didn't feel crowded or crazy busy yeah. like it had in the past. Uh, obviously, spent some time with. Shannon, and I always enjoy that. Uh, got to spend some time with the Dales. Jer- you don't have to kiss up to him just because he's on the show right now. Now listen, you know I'm his uh, look. I'm his chauffeur. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's what I do. I, I drive. I drive Mr. Gallant wherever he needs to go. If it's within he's a, a man with the radius. <laughs> so I picked him up. You know, we 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 got up there Friday morning. Uh, apparently, nobody turned on the AC in the Baltimore Convention Center. Man. Before about eleven o'clock, so we were so all sweating like horse uh, church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that Captain America might have had a different uh, feel earlier that you know on Friday morning, but you know, sweating like <laughs> mad, getting ready. The, the air finally came on. You know, the crowds came in. A uh, lot, lot of Joe fans uh, had a couple people comment on the. Uh, of course, Ryan always wearing the Star Joe shirt at least one day of a yes. show, and always get a comment from somebody about, "Oh, that's cool. I love that." and Tell them about the show and try and get them to listen. Yeah. So, and I always appreciate you representing you like that. The, yeah, every show you wear your Star Joe shirt to cons more than Chuck does. So uh, um. I'll let that <laughs> sit there. <laughs> but going back to Robert, um, you mentioned something uh, as far as meeting his sister, and uh, which I was sorely disappointed at. I'm a big fan of Robert's sister, as I found out a lot of guys down there were big fans of Robert's sister. Um, we did get an email that I thought was appropriate to read, uh, since Robert's not on the show, because it would just make him uncomfortable. Um, so we got an email from Jason Adams, <laughs> our good buddy Jason, Jason Adams, and he said, say star bitches. He says, let's disregard the niceties and address the elephant in the room. The super, super hot elephant in the room. Robert Atkins. <laughs> Robert Atkins, your sister is smoking hot. That's all I've got to say. Ryan, please give my love to your sister. High five, Chuck. Jason Casanova Adams. <laughs> so, Ryan, is your sister not smoking hot? Um... My sister, I've been told, is very attractive. Geek Savants would uh, say otherwise. Yes. Uh, they have said other things about my sister's appearance uh, in a positive way. you going to put the explicit way. tag on here. <laughs> <laughs> in a very positive way. Um, I've been told many times that my sister is very attractive, and I've usually followed up with what happened to you. Um, so... <laughs> So evidently, my my family genes make a, a very attractive female, not so attractive male. Oh, I um, thought it was a black meat joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, evidently, the same could be true for Robert's family. That the genes there seem to make very attractive women. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm sure Robert feels my pain, and and I understand his because I'm sure he hears all the time how hot his sister is. But, um. But it was one of the many reasons I was disappointed in not going to Baltimore this year. <laughs> um, so, I, I, do you guys have anything to add to that at all? 
not in public. <laughs> no, she was, you know, I, I have to say that because that was the, everybody was talking about it. Like I hadn't actually met her yet. And everybody right. kept saying, oh my God, man, we, we met Robert's sister. You know, but she was just very pleasant. I, I was yeah, just, she is. I mean, when I was talking to her, she was just very nice. And what, what surprised me so much is how into comics she seems like she is. Oh, she is heavily. Yeah. So I was, and, I was more impressed by that. Just the oh, fact absolutely. that her brother is, is drawing books and then she organizes volunteers or something at the shows. She, or yeah, she's like a, a convention planner and stuff like that. Like she travels all over yeah. to help set up these conventions. So it's pretty awesome. It's like between her and Kelly Dale, they should just like start up their own shows and <laughs> yeah, because no they know all the artists, they know everybody. Like, they know how to organize it, yeah. Yeah, the two of them could take over the whole damn industry. Right. I'm all for that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm still wanting to Kelly to, to be my agent, so. And if she's listening to this, get on that. <laughs> well, uh, I do actually plan on having Jeremy on in the future because I'm a huge fan of oh, his Skyward tonight, Sign. Tonight would have been perfect because apparently he's sitting alone in a hotel room in Kentucky for some Skyward <laughs> signing. I sent him. See, I, didn't. I had to, not to get off the subject or take a tangent, but he and I have this running gag where I'm, I was telling him something at, at the Charlotte Con. He goes, well, what have you been up to lately? I go, well, I've, I've actually just been thinking about burial plots. Oh, and Robert's like, okay. I mean, uh, Jeremy's like, okay. So that's become a running gag. He's like, oh, how's the burial plot hunt coming? Oh, wow. Tonight I was watching TV, and apparently Morgan Fairchild is doing ads for some burial plot website company on on TV. And so I sent him the link. I was like, oh, Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> yeah. And so he sends me back this email going, I don't know what this incoherent email is supposed to mean, but I'm sitting alone in a hotel room in Kentucky, and I'm really freaked out now. <laughs> so it would, tonight would have been perfect. He's all alone. Right. Well, had I had his number, I would have brought him on. <laughs> I think we also should point out that Shannon mentioned not only on his birthday the uh, the unfortunate uh, introduction to Ladies of the Night in the Baltimore area, but also it's the happiest I've ever seen him. Oh yeah. In that he sexually assaulted. He went over to. <laughs> A true master in Jose Luzio, Luis Garcia Lopez. Yes. And asked him for a hug. Who's Mr. Birthday? Garcia Lopez does not speak English very well, but he's got a, a, a fine gentleman that helps him out and they explain the situation and, and he came barreling out from behind that table and gave Shannon a hug. Wow. Those of you who've seen it on Facebook, it is, it's the happiest I've ever seen Shannon. It was a, it was a great day all around. It made my day. So how happy he was. Not to mention the next day when we saw him on the way to dinner with some other folks, we saw him outside. He was uh, having a, a ciggy poo, and um, uh, uh, Garcia Lopez, that is not us. And right. uh, in case my wife's listening, and um, all of a sudden he <laughs> said, "Hey, you know," and he kind of came over and gave Shannon another half hug. So Shannon got one and a half hugs from. One of the comic greats this weekend. If, or the, if I knew that all it took to make Shannon happy, I would have hugged him a long time ago. But well, you're not Garcia <laughs> Lopez. I hate to say that. 
Garcia Lopez. He's a horrible son of a bitch. <laughs> you think you think Larry Hama will give me a hug in November when I see him here in Richmond? Well, you're not me, so probably, yeah. <laughs> if it was me, it'd be a knee to the nuts. <laughs> so I do have actually some, some questions that came from listeners, and then we can always circle back to Baltimore and or whatever comes up. Um, this one we got on Facebook, and I, I already answered it, but I thought it would be good to kind of answer it uh, on the show because there might be listeners that are new to comics that don't know the difference between these things. So I kind of want you guys to answer this and I can only imagine what direction you'll take it in. Okay. But, uh, we got a message from Dan, uh, Chappett, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, he said, hi guys, I need a little help when it comes to comics. He says, what is the difference between an omnibus, a graphic novel, a trade and a paperback? He said, my last trip to a comic store, I got a uh, G.I. Joe number one, and it says Omnibus on, right on it. I also picked up Ghostbusters Volume 2. He said, I have no idea what it's considered when, when they say Omnibus on there. So how do you guys interpret those? John? Uh, let's see. So I would consider a single book, like a floppy, mm-hmm. I think was what people call them now. If I go out and buy a G.I. Joe number one. It's just one issue that's a standalone, you know, its own story. Uh, a graphic novel is going to be a self-contained, a contained story rather. That's right. more than one issue, five, six copies issues rather. Uh, but then an omnibus is going to be multiples. So maybe it's twelve or thirteen or fifteen or twenty. I don't know. I, I I'm still a, a single issue person for the most part. Uh, unless something is a true graphic novel, you know, that was published that way. Uh, right. Otherwise, I still buy my monthlies. Uh, so I think you you do have to kind of know, and it has got a little confusing. You know, in the old days, you know, Shannon can talk to this too. I mean, you remember in the old days, you'd buy your 40, 50, 60 cent issues, and then the, the graphic novel. Oh, okay. Well, then you were lucky. Maybe you were paying a buck fifty. Then you'd buy your you know your graphic novel was what six ninety five you know like Futurians I think was a graphic novel back in the day right with Dave Cockrum rest in peace and I remember that was like six ninety five or seven ninety five um, yeah I, I don't know Shannon what think do you think yeah I think I think that's right I think it's a weird breakdown because it's like like you said the floppy is a single in a in a running series right a graphic novel is a self contained story right a trade captures an arc of a story right like four or five issues and then the omnibus i think actually is just a big collection of let's say 10 issues right or 12 issues of a series yeah and that's basically the information i gave him to i told him like you know the graphic novel is a to use your term john a true graphic novel because there are stuff that come there are things that come out especially when you go see these movies they'll say this was based on the graphic novel whatever and it's like no it was based on a trade yeah uh because it's usually a collection of stories a lot of times that those movies are based off of but a true graphic novel is one where it was never it's not a reprint of anything previous that came out it's an original story it's usually a bit thicker than a traditional floppy usually in a nicer packaging you know it's either got thicker cardstock or it's in a hardcover edition something like that to me that's what a true graphic novel is um trade and and paperbacks are to me synonymous yeah they're called trade paperbacks some people call them trades some people call them paperbacks but like you said janet 
Yeah. <laughs> like you said, Shannon, it's, a, it's usually one story arc, uh, three to six issues, somewhere in that range. And then um, the omnibus is where it's just like, like you said, it's just a slew of, of issues altogether. Usually put together for a reason so it could be like issues one through 15 or it could be because all these like there's the just to give an example related to the show there's a boba fett omnibus out there from dark horse that is just a collection of a bunch of different comics where boba fett had a story in it in it so um but it's usually like you said it's usually like 10 plus issues in an omnibus edition so now is multiple are multiple omnibus called omniboo omnibuy Omnibuy or omnibuses? I actually, I think I actually think the plural is just omnibus. I think I think it's like moose. It's, oh. I, I think omni, the plural of omnibus is omnibus. I like omnibuy. Which, I like, like omnibuy, but hey, <laughs> yeah, but you watch Honey Boo Boo. No, I do right. not. That is that is you a patent love that show. false lie. You love it. You're full of horseshit there, my friend. That's not true. Put it, put slap the explicit label on this one. You're full of shit. Oh. That ain't happening. Oh, hey, easy. You know who else was at Baltimore that you didn't mention? No. Who's that? Joel. Joel Hodgson. Yes, I did. Well, nice talk, talk talk him up because you met him. I yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, and because I went up to to him and talked to him for a few seconds, he was actually surprisingly nice. And do you know who that is? Wait, wait, before we, Ryan, do you know who he's talking about? No, no, who is this? The guy from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. But you know what's funny is I was talking, because I, I did a thing at Art Institute on Monday with Sam Ellis. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like, apparently, like, whatever the sh- next show is that Sam's going to, Joel's going to be there. Because I guess he's, yeah. He's doing Tidewater Con in October, yep. Yeah, he's having lunch with him. I'm so jealous. Wow. So were you expecting him to be a dick? Or, well, like you said, you're surprisingly nice. So. Well, I I grew up in the music industry, so I always expect a little bit of an attitude of like, hey, you know, oh, yeah, thanks for coming by the table. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Move on. Uh, <laughs> I just got the so, weirdest feedback. Did somebody, like, blow a fuse? I think that was John. Okay. No, I'm good. But um, but no, I, I just he's he's got that weird persona on TV where he's just kind of yeah aloof or shy or something something's going on. So I expected him to not be very vocal, okay, and just not very engaging. Just kind of like keep his head down, like thanks, appreciate it, yeah, sign autographs and move on. Um, but no, he was he was we chatted for a few seconds and he, I was just surprised. And well, and to be honest with you, that's what I mean to relate it to anything I even know. Um, that's what happens a lot of times when I meet other podcasters. A lot of your podcasters are people that you know stay in, inside a room and they can let their personality out. But when you see them out in public, a lot of times they shy away a lot more because they're really not extrovert type people. Um, and I think that's what happens sometimes when we go out to a show, people are a little shocked. They're like, Oh, you guys are just like you sound on the show. And we're like, yeah, cause that's who we are. <laughs> but, um, but we've met so. other, what's that? I didn't think so. You didn't think so? No, no I expected You're... you actually, you, I expected to be like six, five and <laughs> look like a lumberjack. Yeah. I'm only six, two. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a plumber. 
Just saying. I expected a real big burly beard. <laughs> well, well, I'll see if I could grow one for you for next Baltimore. <laughs> but then I met John, and and all of that was satisfied. Because <laughs> John looked exactly like you expected him to look. Actually, oh my word! <laughs> he was like, "Well, remember like Merlin Olson from the Little House on the Prairie?" <laughs> Right. That's what I was expecting. No, no, wait, 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 wait. We need to step back here because as we talked about, the first time I met Shannon was at Baltimore when I got him to sign the executioner mini that IDW put out. And he said to me, I think you're the only person here that read this book. And it may very well have been the case. I love the executioner of the books when I was younger. That's the first time I met him. He had no frame of reference for me. Come on. Stop! Stop with the stop with the business, man. Come on. He's a showman, John. He's a showman. I'm not making him... it as, as the tick would say. I'm not making it up. I'm making it good. Right. Speaking of the tick, we're getting more tick episodes. According, yes. Yeah, so spoon. spoon. Good about good yeah. news. Did you Did you read the interview with him that was online? No. No. With Patrick Warburton. It was really funny because he was talking about how he's excited about doing it and he hopes they redesign the costume because it was, he said he, he doesn't want to wear anything that takes four gallons of KY jelly to get him into it again. Wow. <laughs> but what was funny is he was talking about, he goes, yeah, the one tick thing that I have that they made for the show was the talking doll. Okay. And, it has, and if you have it like I do, it um, has his face on it. Just like in the show, it's an open face mask. So it has his face on it, and he says he has it up in a closet because it creeps him the hell out that he pushes the well, button yeah. on it and it talks to him in his own voice. It would creep me out too. I just think it's brilliant. If you had a doll that looked like you, I'd sleep with you? it all the time. <laughs> well, we know we know about Shannon about and those it. dolls that he had. Come on, we heard that story. Well, we before. have. Yeah, we have heard how Shannon likes to play with himself too. So, oh, I don't know about that. I just know about those dolls. No, I think again. he's talking about he's talking about the, the the count, aren't you? I'm talking about the count. Yes, I am. Yeah, everybody picks on me for the count. <laughs> I open up to you people, and this is the thanks I get. Hey, I'm fine. You do whatever you want to do as long as you keep coming on the show. Unlike other hosts Ooh, that I have. Wait, <laughs> taken out of context. That's not a great sentence. <laughs> I don't want you to. I don't want you to. I don't want you to come on my show. <laughs> oh, wow! You can edit this out, right? <laughs> yeah, slap that explicit logo. <laughs> These shows always have an explicit logo on it because I never know what's going to happen, and I just don't trust myself to figure it out either. So, <laughs> all right. So to to bring it back to on. childhood, to bring it back to something more innocent and childlike, <laughs> um, we also got an email from. Uh, or a message on Facebook from Barry Jablonski. And he says, Hey, I've got one for you. He says, what was the first <laughs> Shannon? <laughs> Keep it clean. Sorry. <laughs> he says, what was the first comic shop that you guys went to as a kid? He said, his was the painted pony in Saginaw, <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's not a comic shop. <laughs> that's not a comic shop. That was a strip joint. <laughs> There's one in Atlanta called the Pink Pony. <laughs> Not that I I wouldn't know. Right. Yeah. John. So what was your what was your first comic shop that you went to when you were a kid? You know, it's really funny that you asked that question because as I'm sitting here, Jeremy Dale responded to me, and he is actually in 
in a hotel near Louisville, where I, I grew up outside of Louisville. Uh-huh. The first store I ever used to go to, and still mm. probably my favorite shop in all of America, is a place called The Great Escape. Oh yeah, and it, it it is it's a chain. Shannon knows it from Nashville, but they had a yeah that was my first. A, yeah, it was the Louisville store. Uh, the 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 interestingly enough, the the gentleman that was the manager there at the time was a huge art collector, and put on a an art exhibit at the Speed Museum. With the, attached to the University of Louisville, and the first creator I ever met was Don Rosa, who okay. most people know from Uncle Scrooge fame or, or the Duck, sure. you know, Donald Duck things. Don Rosa was a, a newspaper cartoonist in Louisville who had a character called Captain Kentucky. And when I was a kid, I bought a trade of the – well, I guess you can call it a trade going back to the question earlier. It was a, 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 a paperback – of a bunch of newspaper strips of Captain Kentucky, took it to the Speed Museum to look at original art that this gentleman from The Great Escape owned, and to meet Don Rosa. I was probably 16 or 17 years old. I could hardly spell you know spell my name or tie my shoes, but he was right. so cool. Just like when you see him at conventions now, talking to people, sitting there and talking and, and sketching for folks, gave me 10 minutes of his time. It was a cool experience. He signed some – if you remember Gladstone Publishing, which was doing oh, yeah. Uncle Scrooge at the time. Travis, if you're listening, I'm sure Travis remembers Gladstone very well. Uh, signed a couple Gladstone books for me. Signed my Captain Kentucky book. Yeah, it was awesome. So, yeah, great escape. Louisville, Kentucky. Awesome. Still go there. I take Jacob. Every time we go see my folks, we always hit that shop up. Nice. Was that the same place for you, Shannon, then? It's not the same store. It's the same chain. Okay. Because um, I used to go to a, a Great Escape that was on, I think it was Elliston Avenue in Nashville. It was near my, my mom owned a drum shop because my dad was in the music industry. And after school, I'd have to basically sit at the drum shop all day until it was time to go home, until they closed. Okay. okay. But the Great Escape was around the corner. It was like blocked down. So I would go over to the Great Escape. And that was where I had my first hold box. And that was where, you know, I really just kind of. They they have they were one of those stores that just had boxes and boxes of back issues, gotcha. so it was like that was where I built my collection. That was where I nice. you know, bought my copy of Hulk one eighty one, you know that kind of thing. And um, but it was yeah, it was a great shop, and I got to know the guy that kind of did the buying for the store when right. I when I did my mm-hmm. uh, hold box. So he he would start holding stuff because he knew I was into the art and because I was aspiring to be a comic artist so it was like you know when miracle man number one sold out i had a copy in my hold box you know it was that nice. kind of thing nice. um, but yeah it was it was a great story i don't i there was one in mount juliet that i never really got out to but those were the only two and the great escape even now is really the only comic shop in nashville that i know of okay. that, that's any anything to talk about yeah yeah yep well, mine was um, in Parma Heights, Ohio. It was near this. Uh, was on, on my way to school in grade school, and it was called LA Comics. And this is going to definitely knock down any ideas of me having any intelligence to both of you. Um, <laughs> but because well, LA and Parma, they make so much sense together. Is that well? No, because you as sure a wasn't kid, Comics. <laughs> no, as a, as a, no, it was, it was owned by a Spanish it was, guy. 
it was all period a period i don't uh, always read comics but when i do <laughs> i go to the comics, the comics. <laughs> so um no so here's the stupid thing that went through my head as a kid so i knew la was los angeles and i was like Oh, these comics come from the West Coast. <laughs> I was like, these are California comics, as if there's any difference between comics that are out there and comics that are here. Um, well, I think so, if you were well, looking at say image. comics, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some of the underground comics coming out of California, yeah, true. maybe. <laughs> true. Um, but no, these were love. <laughs> these were these were mostly Marvel and DC, <laughs> um, but it was a very small place. Like especially looking back on it now, it was super tiny. It's not there anymore. Um, but that's where I would go, and that's where I actually bought um, Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn when that came out. Uh, the book happened to be in there, and I was like, "Well, I've got money to buy comics, or I can buy the Star Wars book." And I was like, "All right, I'll buy the Star Wars book, see what it's like." I had no idea that was the first of many to follow. Um, that's also the store. I think I've told the story many times, but it's a store where they had a giant size X-Men in the case, uh, and they had a $50 price tag on it because it was back before anyone really knew what the hell anything was worth. And I had, I had enough money to buy it. And I was like, no, I could get so many more comics with this than just buying that one. So I decided not to. And of course now to, get a giant size X-Men is you're going to pay way more than 50 bucks. Um, so, but I got like 65. Yeah. 65. Right. Um, so I, I mean, that's where I, I actually used to be able to figure out what tax would be and everything else. I'd come with exact change so I could get a certain amount of comics and everything else. But I collected like a lot of my, you know, Spider-Man runs and ghost rider. I was picking up back then. Um, stuff like that. So you know, it's you, funny. For as, as much time as I spent in comic shops, I also went to a lot of used bookstores. And uh-huh. there used to be a place in in Linden, which is a suburb of Louisville, called Bookends, and they had a, a treasure chest, and it was full of comics, and they were ten cents a piece. And that is where I picked up Spider Man one twenty nine. Nice. Which I subsequently have moved along to collection of. Uh, and I don't remember his name. I'm sorry, Punisher Body Count gentleman that used that used to be a big on the forums. Um, sorry, man, I don't forget. I forget your name right now. But he picked up that copy from me. But I bought that book when I was 12 or 13 years old for 10 cents. Oh wow! At at that shop, and it wasn't obviously a a CGC nine or ten, but it was a, a right. You know, it was in a good condition. Of course, I took it home, put it in a bag, and took care of it and held it for many years and right. ended up selling to somebody else that really wanted it. But yeah, uh, yeah, I was good. Love that stuff. Those quarter bins or going to the flea markets in Louisville. And there used to be a guy, old guy. He's long since passed. I'm sure he used to sell books for a quarter and I'd buy, you know, just armloads full of quarter books. And he used to always have a beer. And one time he spilled the <laughs> beer on my sister <gasps> And and my oh. and I was probably so if I'm thirteen fourteen my sister's ten or eleven at the time and he looked at her and he goes it's good for your hair <laughs> rest in peace old book man that guy was awesome <laughs> well also uh, at LA Comics is where I started collecting the Micronaut series which oh. are the issues that you oh. now have John are you know I picked them up that was the first series where I was like. 
I'm going to try to get all the issues of this that I can get. I don't know why I gravitated towards that title, but I loved Jackson it. fucking guys on that button. What was that? <laughs> we'll slip of the tongue. <laughs> Number two on my hug list. So that's all the listener feedback we had as far as any questions or anything like that. So um, I have no idea what, where the hell else to go with this. But I got, I, I got one got, for you. Since you're talking about right. first stores, first comic. Sure. First comic. Yeah. What was yours? Or, oh, first comic? Yeah. Like, what's the Ooh. one that you remember? The first one. Oh, it's easy for me. Yeah, go G. ahead. G.I. Joe number 18. Oh, bought it, <laughs> bought it at, at, at the... Uh, Kelly's Pharmacy in Crestwood, Kentucky, right on the spinner rack for 60 cents. I took it home. I read it over and over and over, and it all went downhill from there. (laughs) And and it was funny because when I was a kid, I actually wrote in the G.I. Joe logo. I put I wrote in pencil like I for whatever reason I wrote in it, you know, and and just tore it all to hell. And uh, so a few years ago, I bought a, a. a significantly better copy for five or six bucks to have to put in the collection. But yeah, all started right there. GI Joe 18. Nice. For me, the earliest one that I remember was actually a star Wars comic. I got, uh, I think it was, I think it's return of the Jedi. Number one. I think it was like the mini series that they did based on the movie. And I got it at like, uh, I think like a children's palace or something like that when they used to put the comics into like a, three issue little poly bag Egg, type yeah. thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So that was on the front. So that's why I bought it. I don't remember the other two issues that were in there. I know they weren't the continuation of the story. They were just other comics. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that it had the purple cover with, uh, Luke Jedi Luke on the front. And it had, uh, Lando in his skiff guard outfit and it had slave Leia. So <laughs> that's why I remember it. Well, I remember right, that, I right. know that many well too. <laughs> What about yeah, you, Shannon? So, What's first book you ever bought? It's funny because the it, it's funny because Rob Bricken, the guy that writes for IO9, he actually sent me a birthday present, and it was a really nice condition copy of the same book. It's that classic Superman Spider-Man crossover oversized book. Oh, gotcha. That was the first book that I remember as a kid having. Okay, and. That was I thought it was gonna. I thought it was gonna be Action Comics number one, and you bought oh, you're it. Oh, funny. The, yeah. At the racks. Yeah. Push yeah. it. Push it. Push, <laughs> push it real good. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be Black Meat number one. Uh-huh. You know, because one of those it, underground comics we're not supposed to talk about anymore. Oh. Uh, right. From California. Exactly. L. A. <laughs> right. L. A. Right. No, that was my. That was my first one. That's awesome. Oh, I do. <laughs> you're speaking of pushing it. I do have something I want to ask you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, Robert's sister's hot. <laughs> definitely the explicit tag on this one. <laughs> right. You got to throw it out there. Especially when you hear about pushing it. Um, so anyways. Really that's, your new pi- that's your new title for the show, by the way. <laughs> right. A.K.A. Push it. Because Robert's sister's hot. Right. That's how it should be. Push it, because Robert sits there. Wow, check down. So, um, and I think she listens to the show, too, just to let you know. Oh, shit. 
<laughs> I think. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, anyways, she may only listen to the ones that Robert's on, so you're, you might be you might be safe. Um, She's a lovely so, woman. This isn't yes. this isn't Shannon or John. This is Chuck doing right. imitations of voices and Larry. Right. I'm sorry. Did uh, I have been pretending to be Shannon? I'm no longer him. I'm Jeremy Dale. <laughs> so, um, so I actually wanted to ask you about, uh, and again, my oh. typical calling you out on stuff. So, GI Joe, Real American Hero, number two hundred one. Yeah, what about it? You did like a homage cover to the uh, GI Joe number John, one. Have you been talking again? I have not. I swear. <laughs> you. No, no, I'm a- I'm asking you about Spirit on the cover of that. Oh. You have him shooting a bow and arrow. Could you get more stereotyped with him, or we, did you feel his outfit wasn't enough of the Native American that you had to put a bow and arrow in his hand, too? Well, I couldn't point out the fact that he has diabetes or anything. <laughs> and I say that with all love and respect for our American Indians. <laughs> Wow, he's my favorite character. I, would, I know he is. That's why I was like, I was like, I don't ever remember a spirit well, the, wearing okay, or using a bow and arrow. But why the hell not? He's wearing feel- a freaking. I mean, come on. <laughs> he's dressed like, up like Tonto anyway. I mean, why not right. give him the freaking bow and arrow? It. Well, I swear to God, I saw him with one somewhere. I I never I don't remember ever seeing him with one. I could be totally wrong, but um, when I saw it, I was like, I have to ask Shannon about this. So it's like, you know I, what it was though. I mean, really, it's one of those things of just trying to make him stand out from other yeah. characters. And the one thing that I hate is when you see guys on a cover and everybody's wearing like the same thing in the same pose, doing using the same gun. Using, you know what I mean? Right, right. And I just wanted to separate everybody out a little bit more. And the truth of the matter is, is he ended up on the back of the damn thing. I don't even remember what the name of that vehicle is, because I picked, like, the dopiest one. (laughs) It's one of those later vehicles that was like, oh, let's put a torpedo here and a rocket here and a laser here. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, no one would go into battle. But he ended up on the back of it, and I just wanted him to stand out a little bit more. And I thought, why give him a gun? Why not give him something that's a little more, and maybe it is a stereotype, but to me it seemed a little more specific to him. Right. Like, it, it's not something that you would see any other character with. And I think maybe part of it was you, you sometimes see Storm Shadow with, it like, a traditional samurai bow or whatever, that kind of short sure. bow. Sure, sure. So that was part of the logic. Okay, somebody explained to me, what's, what's the deal with the fried egg sandwiches with Roadblock? Where the hell did that come from? I don't know. I, mean, I think it's who, from who the, the cartoon. Eats, yeah, but who the hell eats fried egg sandwiches? I, I'll eat fried egg sandwich. I don't oh, know. I, I'm, <laughs> I've never had one, but I would eat one. I was just saying, it's a running gag. I don't know where it came from. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But anyway, I, it was really just to make him stand out. No, I thought you were making fun of the cover because we did it again. Oh, oh you did. <laughs> but that <laughs> hasn't come out yet. No. <laughs> I'm what did what did you what did, you forgot wheels again, didn't you? Oh man, don't. <laughs> Those are fighting words. <laughs> no, we when I did that cover originally, when I did two hundred one, 
one of the covers right. that I had submitted as a thumbnail to Carlos uh, was a parody of the original cover, which that 201 was anyway. Right. But instead of Joe's, it was Cobra. Oh. And I thought it would make more sense that it was a mirror image of the original cover being Cobra. Sure. Sure. But Carlos didn't like the idea because at the time, in that issue, there wasn't really a dominant presence of Cobra. Okay. So Carlos was like, well, let's not do that. Let's make it Joe's again. So that's why it's all second string guys. Gotcha. So that, and, and what I did was is I picked out all the guys that Larry had been using a lot lately. Right, so right. if you look at it, it's all guys that have been in a lot of issues recently. So it's, right. you know, Falcon and... Uh, Psych out, and Psych out, yeah. Mainframe and you know those guys, right? So that's why it was that. Okay. okay. But we just I, I did was... another parody cover where we went back and did the Cobra thing. Okay. Okay. And I was telling John, you know, God, we're repeating again, and it's only it hadn't even been ten issues. So I told Carlos, I go, well, let's have the was it Tamox and Zamon or whatever. Tomax and Zamon. Yeah. yeah. Have them at the front of the cover going. Do you have deja vu? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Just to kind of make fun of the fact, yeah, we know we're repeating right, ourselves right. so quickly. But yeah. So hopefully. I like the idea of the Cobra eight, you know, Cobra instead of Joe. They should have went with that. Well, and the thing is, is it was supposed to be a flip mirror image, too. Right. Like everybody was exactly the opposite of what it was on the original Joe cover. Right. So, you know, everyone's flipped, so it would literally be the good and the bad. And I also have him breaking up the Joe logo at the top, that kind of thing. You know, like the uh, Simonson Thor Beta Ray Bill cover. Yeah. Where he so, so I don't know if this reveals the upcoming cover, but like, who did you have in each place then? Like, like who? I assume Baroness replaced Scarlet. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, I have uh, a, I have him in a. Um, the maggot tank. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Mindbender's driving the tank. Okay. On one side, you've got Zartan. Um, obviously the one jumping off of the tank or running off of the tank instead of, um, who was it on the original? Hawk. Hawk. It's Cobra commander. Sure. So, um, but then fireflies on it. Um, who else is on it? Destro. Destro, well, yeah. But he's actually in a... Um, I put him in a spoiler. Oh, okay. The Destro despoiler. You or whatever. put him on a spoiler? No, you know what I'm talking about. Is that a spoiler? No. This is the part where we should make fun of the fact that Ryan's supposed to have a commission from one of the hosts that's not on the show tonight that is oh a homage to G.I. Joe issue number one that it's never going to happen. Right. Well, that's because he's Tom also Easter's never supposed to be on here. He's never. Yeah. He's, yeah. No, the original, and he even put it on his blog site too, like announcing it that he was going to be doing uh, an homage to GI Joe number one, but using Star Wars characters instead of Joe's. I've got a couple of them laying around. You want one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't ask, because the scary thing is he probably does. So <laughs> he probably does. Yeah, I know. I've been doing a lot uh, of them lately. <laughs> and uh and well he also has uh a guardians of the galaxy uh blank sketch cover uh that he's supposed to do he's supposed to draw uh rocket and nova richard Ryder nova 
on that, and that was to pay for his hotel in Baltimore last year. <laughs> um, plus, I sent him some action figures because he said he wanted a couple of the action figures that I had. So I sent those, plus the room for Baltimore was supposed to get me the sketch cover. Well, and I have, I, I have I'm supposed to have my name in Elders of the Runestone, and that's been two and a half years now. So, right. you know. Let's go down that path too, but we won't because right. it's not on one no. person for that. So right, true, true. Okay, I put, um, I put both of you fuckers in a book. I haven't gotten shit. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Don't start that shit with me, man. <laughs> start that shit. We've had I've had you on the show. Oh, oh yeah. What, what more? What more can I do for you? I can't draw. <laughs> So actually, you, that brings. Do up, you live near a Vietnamese restaurant that has a good beer selection? There you go. I don't know. I've never looked. <laughs> um, yeah, let's so get, I, let's do it while we're here. Let's give a shout out to Mekong. Yeah, do we get a kickback? Because An Bui will never be listening <laughs> to the show, but Mekong is actually was just voted again best beer restaurant in America by RateBeer.com. They are local here to the Richmond area. I'm a I'm a proud uh, customer. Shannon is a proud customer. I've never partaken. Keith Knudsen, yeah, he is also a very proud customer. (laughs) And unfortunately, with the next uh, show coming up in November here, Shannon will not be able to grace us with his presence. So I'm taking all the other guys that want to go, and we're going to enjoy. And then we're going to go next door to the newest brew pub that they have opened called The Answer. And I will take pictures, and I will berate Shannon with grief over the fact that (laughs) he's got bigger and better things to do. But we are going to enjoy uh, enjoy some – it's the week before Thanksgiving. We've already talked about this. The weekend before. Mm. (laughs) He's got to think about that. Brian Shearer is going to be here. And and for those of you listening that are interested, Steve Rude is going to be at the Virginia Con. And I am so excited. I cannot stand it. And today – this is September 17th. We just announced Jay Lee as guest of honor. Nice. Who, those of you listening to this show that read anything associated with this properties, G.I. Joe Transformers from Dreamwave. Yep. Jay Lee was the artist on that book. That Super stoked to meet my, him as, as well. So That was probably my favorite version of the crossover that's ever been done. Well, he, he was Not just announced one? today, and I'm very excited. What did you say? Not the recent one. The current one, you mean? Yeah, because John loves no, that one. No, no. If you listen to the show at all, you know I, I do not like that one. And I apologize to Mike Myers for shitting all over it, as he likes to put it. But I don't like it. I don't. I think it's written. It it reads like a schizophrenic eight year old wrote it, and it's drawn like its twin sister drew it. So, um, ouch. I think it's great. Like if I had a five-year-old kid, I and that didn't know GI Joe or Transformers, that, I would totally that get that. Was autistic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would totally give them that book. But but I think no. this goes back. Shane and I were having this conversation at Baltimore. Yeah. That book fills a void. Sure. I've got I've got friends. Obviously, Mike Myers is a huge fan. Chris Campbell's a big fan. There are other really big fans of that book. Kids, it's not kids on a short. It's, it's, kids on a short. I'm not music. saying that. I am saying it's not for me, and that's right. cool because not everything needs to be. Yeah. Uh, it's just a shame that uh, that we don't have more that maybe a bigger swath of the population 
Yeah. Especially the 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 hardcore I'm, Joe and Transformers fans may be attuned to. That's my yeah. opinion for what it's yeah. worth. His, and it's mine too. His tank yeah. and uh IDW boards and all these other people out there, they have their opinions. Yeah. More power to them, but yeah, it's just not Robert Robert actually told me that he couldn't get through the first issue yet halfway through it because it was making him angry and comics <laughs> don't normally do that to him. <laughs> He said he wanted to punch somebody in the throat and <laughs> kick him in the nuts. Oh, I could teach him how to do that. <laughs> um, so, but here's wait, the thing. So Here, has Robert done a crossover? No. He did a oh, cover. He did, oh, he's about, he would be he's the about to do a person cover. For that, wouldn't he? Well, and he said that all they had to do was come to him and he would have drawn that in a heartbeat. Mm. He said he said he got to do that um, crossover cover for Real American Hero 200 and Transformers number 100, and he said he drew that, and he's like he had so much fun drawing that. He's like I would have loved to have drawn GI, uh, Transformers versus GI Joe. And, and, and let me just asked him to. And that fact that Robert did that amazing Robotech piece for Grub. Yeah. For those of you who've seen it, that thing is friggin' that was beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So kudos to him. So he's not so here to I, hear it from me. So. Yeah. I totally think that he he would draw that book if if they asked him to. Oh, he should. Um, yeah. Um, but no, and, and I don't, and it, like you said, John, I don't mean to shit all over it, but it, it really is like, I buy it for the sake of the show and I try to read it and I do read it, but there, and there's some highlights here and there that I like out of it. But for the most part, it's just like you said, it's not the book for me. And there's been, to me, there's been far better crossovers of these two franchises. Um, and, and like you mentioned, Jay Lee, that's my favorite one. I think that was done excellently. I think the art was beautiful. I think the story was awesome. It was a definitely unique take. Um, this does, like you said, this does fill a void for, uh, for some people. And, and I don't mean, and, and I honestly mean it when I say that if I had like a five to eight year old kid, I would give them this book and I think they would love it. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just not for me. And I'm very disappointed with it because I, I am an audience that would, totally buy every single issue of this title and enjoy the hell out of it if it was done differently. And Mike has actually made comments saying that it's just because I don't like Scioli's artwork, which is not true. I liked Tom Scioli's artwork in the right context. You put him on like a new gods book or something like that. I'll pick that up every day and read it and love it. But on this, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't care for it. You know, you know, Shannon knows this too. I'm not a peanut butter and chocolate mixing kind of guy i i'm a joe fan through and through and transformers are fine and the cartoon's cool and you know i've read a few of the trades of the old marvel stuff and that's all well and good i'm not a huge fan of crossovers i read the new the free comic book day book rather it was better than i expected but i was not going to put down my money for the book yeah it's not for me and if it can generate an audience, great. And if it can't, it won't last very long. And people that enjoyed it will say, hey, I had a great time with it. And it's done like most other things that IDW has done. I'm not going to go on that tangent on this show other than to say I struggle with what they want these licenses to be and what they want to do with them. But I'm not in charge, so it's none of my business. Right? They'll get my money when I think the books are worth it. And if they don't, if it's if it's not something I'm interested in, they're not going to get it. And, right. and, and that's where and, the, we get what we're going to get what we deserve or earn, and leave it at that. 
And to be perfectly honest, I, I think one of the reasons that Mike and Chris Campbell love the book so much is because they're huge Tom Scioli fans. If they weren't huge Tom Scioli fans, I think that they would be saying this book isn't very good. But because his name's on there and they adore him, um, they they love the book. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but if you take away your fandom for that one person and you actually read the book and put it together and have some context behind it, you see it's all over the place. I mean, when I say it's, it, I feel like it's written by a schizophrenic person, I'm being quite serious because I felt like it. I actually saw somebody that posted pages from it and panels from it on Facebook, and I was reading them in that order, and I was like, wow, this makes sense. Maybe I should actually give this book a try. And I started reading it, and the order that the person posted them on Facebook was a better order than what was actually in the book because it actually made more sense from what I saw posted on Facebook than the order in which I saw it in the book. And I was like, that's messed up. So, so like I said, I'm thrilled that they love the title. I'm thrilled that they're buying it. I'm thrilled that they're you know, excited about G.I. Joe and Transformers. I'm, I'm glad that does that for them. It just doesn't do it for me, and I'm sorry if it upsets them that that I say bad things about it, but they say Mike said bad things about Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. And it's like, well, that upsets me, but Hey, that's his show. And I'm still going to keep listening to him. So, and I'm sure he's still going to listen to us. I mean, well, I don't know if Shannon's on, he may not. <laughs> but I mean, Shannon did a killer. Uh, what'd you do? Ninjack? No, not Ninjack. XO. Yes. Who'd you do? I can't keep those. I thought, he, guys I thought straight. he didn't. I thought he did Ninjack. Yeah, it probably was. I can't keep those guys straight. I don't read. Yeah. I haven't read Valiant in twenty years. It was fine when I read it, just not my thing. So, yeah. Shannon's just gonna ignore. Shannon, me. did you read the uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China book? Hello. Hello. He went away. I think he's thinking about Robert's sister. <laughs> um, so, so I read after your recommendation. I did read Big Trouble in Little China number one. Uh, uh-huh. I thought the story was great. I thought the artwork was extremely lacking. And I yeah. uh, was thoroughly disappointed, and I did not pick up another issue because I just could not get past how poor I thought the artwork was based on yeah, it, what it should be. It, it's very cartoony. Um, I am a story guy. I'm not an art guy. I mean, the art, I want it to be, at least be decent. Um, and I want the art to help tell the story, which I felt like the art does help tell the story. Um, it, like I said, it was very cartoony. My big thing was I wanted to be able to read it and hear the characters in my head from the movie. And I thought it did a very good job of that. I, I thought it um, did. It just, to me, the artwork was distracting enough that I said, I don't think I could plunk down four yeah. bucks or three fifty or whatever it was. And again, you know, this is going back to that conversation earlier. You know, we we're buying comics when you're kids and 50, 60, 75 cents. Now all right. of a sudden, if I hand you a $5 bill and you get one book, yeah, that's not going to be the one I get. Right. No, and I and I totally get that. And to be honest, if I wasn't getting some of the discounts that I get, there's a lot of books I wouldn't be getting because they're they're books I like to read, but they're not like I absolutely am gonna I have to read every single issue of this. Now I do have titles that are like that. I have certain titles right now that I am just like the second I get the issue, I get home and I have to read it. Um, one of them is Outcast uh, by Kirkman. Uh, he, it's about demon possession and stuff like that. It's really creepy. It's really cool. I have to, uh, Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron. Is I'm not someone that normally likes the slice of life type stories uh, where it's meant to be all in the real world and stuff like that. Um, but this one totally has me hooked. Um, I think it's fantastic. And then another one that stands out for me 
was I was looking for a Flash Gordon style book because I was just like, eh, I haven't read anything like that before. And I picked up uh, Miller's uh, Starlight, which is kind of like take take Flash Gordon and he has all his adventures, stops Ming the Merciless and all that type of stuff. And then he goes back to Earth and no one believes him and he becomes an old man. And then as he's older, um, he gets revisited by the people from that planet and, and that world and they need his help again. And so now he puts the uniform back on and he goes to fight, but now he's like the old grizzled guy. Um, that's what this story is. And it's huh. done really, really well. Uh, the main character kind of reminds me of, um, uh, Clint Eastwood's character in Gran Torino. That's in cool. fact, that, yeah. that, that character reminds he, he reminds me of that character. And that same character is in Southern Bastards. Like I describe Southern Bastards as, Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino meets uh, Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so, A regular Saturday night thing, right? <laughs> so, so, so you bu- those, you bugged out for a minute there, uh, Shannon. Did did you read that uh, Big Trouble in Little China book yet? No. Oh, okay. Because you be saw. Are you, no, are you I, I flipped through it, and it was one of those things that the same reason you didn't like it was what kept me from reading it. Gotcha. Um. Yeah, I just I'm I'm the other way when it comes to writing. Uh, when it comes to comics, the writing I don't know. I, half the time I I just look at the artwork. Yeah. Um, well, I would expect that. It's it's well, it's funny <laughs> for me because it's 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 almost like that weird filter for me in my head of I'm reading a book and they all kind of scream at the same level to me. It's the artwork yeah. that separates them. Yeah. And. You know, so granted, a lot of the books that I read tend to be drawn by the artists that I like. Sure. So, um, so I don't follow writers like a lot of guys do. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to a collaboration between the GeekCast Radio Network and the Pop Culture Network. This is From the Command Center, the podcast. I am your host, TF Joe and Mike from the GCRN, and joining me is Zordon himself. Uh, oh, wait. I mean, Scotty Cash. That's right. Scotty Cash from the Pop Culture Network. And today we're introducing you to the audio version of From the Command Center, the podcast that will tell our intake on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the episodes, the seasons, and all that other good stuff. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast, 
Join us here on the telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Has anybody been reading the Winter World stuff? Yes. Oh, my God. I love it. Because I, I hadn't read the original series. And <clears throat> thankfully, IDW is doing it. And I got um, Carlos to send me the copy of the, the first trade or the, the original story. Yeah. So I got yeah. to read that. And I actually think they did a great job of, well, Chuck did Dixon did a great job of getting Bush to draw it because I think he's actually a great compliment to the original artist. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I'm loving that book. Yeah, I am too. I actually did. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I didn't get a copy. I had to get my copy. But, um, but, <laughs> but um, I saw that the ongoing series was coming out, and I saw that they were soliciting the original trade, and I was like. Let me go ahead and pick that up. So I picked that up, and I'm not even exaggerating. I think in two days I read the whole trade because I just couldn't put it down. I just kept reading it and reading it and reading it. And uh, and then I was really nicely surprised when I picked up the first issue and read that because I assumed, probably like a lot of people would, well, that story came out in the 80s. This is probably going to be start fresh and new and and pretend that other story never happened, but it's not. It picks up right where that previous story left off. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting. The only thing I I I'm, I keep my eyes open for, and I don't know if you picked up on this at all or not, in the original story, the very first two issue story, fingers, um, the fingers, yep. yeah, yeah. I don't know why they did that because it, it's they even they went back, like they they violated that or whatever you want to call it before the end of the the original story, right? It was like oh we cut his finger off and then they're back. Yeah, and her fingers were cut off too, yeah. weren't they? Like, yeah. yeah. It was it was almost like what was that series of a while back that they made the movie a Whiteout? Oh yeah, yeah. Where okay. remember they cut her fingers off in, in the story right. or whatever? But yeah, I was I was reading it, and then when I, when because I'm friends enough with Bush that he's been sending me the pages as he as he does it. Yeah. And that's what I was looking for. I was I was looking to see if he was going to be more consistent and keep the fingers gone. But yeah, she they've all got their fingers. Yeah. And that's the only, um, that's really, I'm not to kind of harp on it, but that's the only thing that bugs me about the new series. Is yeah. I wish they would release it in stark black and white. Yeah. I mean, because I, go ahead. I mean, I was going to say, I, I mean, I, I don't mind the color, but yeah, I, I would have liked it to stay the black and white just for consistency. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I like black and white comics when they're created for black and white. I mean, it's when I get like these Marvel essentials where they were originally in color and now I'm reading them in black and white doesn't really do it for me. But when the original story was in black and white, I'm all about that. I'll, I'll read that all day long. I think it depends on the artist. I mean, True. In my opinion, like, like if you have, um, who did tomb of Dracula, Gene Colan, Gene Colan. Yep. Yeah. I've heard that with him. Yeah. yeah. You don't need color. I've got those Marvel essentials with his stuff and it doesn't need color. I will agree with you. I do have the essentials of yeah. his, and and that was the only reason I bought them was because his art is amazing. So I, I think it I think it depends on the artist. But again, Bush uses so many spot blacks. Yeah. That I I think he he doesn't need the color 
And that was one of the things when I when I was saying earlier that I got the original tray from Carlos. It's because it's not available digitally. Okay. You can only buy it as a black and white book, hard copy. Okay. And I wanted it for my iPad, and they're not even selling it on Comixology as a black and white tray. Oh, wow. So I emailed him. I was like, well, can I get this? It's just black and white for my iPad. And so he sent me the like a PDF of it. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. It is. I, I, it's so funny to me that people don't want to read stuff in black and white. Yeah, no, I don't have that problem at all. I, I guess maybe I did when I was younger, but certainly don't have that problem now. Um, and it's nothing against colorists, but it's just, mm. you feel like, I feel like I'm that much closer to the work. Yeah. You know, it was like, a, see that. Brian Stelfer as they released that, um, Damon first issue mm-hmm. is like a, a pennant. They call it a pen and ink edition. Right. Which you can actually get through Comixology, which I think was a great move on their part. It's beautiful. It is a gorgeous book to look at. So. Yeah, I, I find myself reading and trying a lot more uh, independent stuff. I mean, I still read a lot of Marvel and DC, but um, the second I, I see a title that like has a little bit of interest to me, mm-hmm. um, I pick it up. I'm, I'm reading. I'm, I've only read the first two issues, and I actually have two issues still to read. But I was reading uh, Dream Police. Mm. And I really like that. It's a really cool world building type thing, and it's it's got a it had an interesting twist at the very at the end of the very first issue. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Is, Let's see where they is go. Is the with twist that Cheap Trick shows up? No. Oh, that's no. too bad, man. That's the that's the best Cheap Trick song. <laughs> wow. You know what I wish uh, they do is release Lazarus in black and white, the okay. Michael Lark book. Yeah, I have not read that, but I heard it's awesome. I I actually enjoy it. Actually, it's yeah. really nice. I saw that they're coming out with one in a hard. They're coming out with a, a title in hardcover that I've heard nothing but amazing things about that I want to read, which is Scalped. I've never read it before. Is that the Tim Truman thing? Um, no, that's no, Jason Aaron, isn't it? This is Jason Aaron. Yeah. And uh, I've become a big fan of Jason Aaron. Uh, like you were talking about artists and everything else. Like I definitely have a list of artists that I will pick up something just because they're doing it. Um, but that list it is very short for me because I am more of a story guy. So I have a very long list when it comes to uh, writers that that I'll pick up a story just because they're doing it. Because I'm like, I like what they've done in the past. I'll give it a try. Um, Scott Snyder's like that for me, yeah. uh, not just because of his Batman stuff. I've read a lot of his stuff, and he's coming out with uh, Witches uh, that might be out already. I I have it ordered, so. Um, he's doing but that. I'm, it's uh, it's him and uh, Jock. No, but I mean, is it DC? Is it oh, Image? Is it Vertigo? No, it's, uh, it's, it? it's Image. Oh, it's, it's Image. Not, okay. I think. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's because I enjoyed American Vampire. Yeah, I'll look it up. But I want to say it's Image. So, John, what talk. about you? What about me? No books, moron. Books. I, what I'm what not, are you reading? I'm reading Real American Hero. <clears throat> Damn I'm straight. Reading, I'm reading uh, Real American Hero. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, everything else I'm picking up in trades these days at the library, just based on the uh, current. Uh, uh, job landscape for me sure. uh, but i am you know i will say i've read some some fun stuff uh read a lot of the new 52 uh in trades which i've enjoyed uh all new x-men 
friggin' amazing. I picked that yeah. up because you and Robert had talked so much about it. Uh, it's a really fun book, uh, and, and I hadn't read a I hadn't read an X book in now twenty years. So Are you I, talking I really about the, the Whedon stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> this is all new X Men with. Um, uh, Eminem and uh, is Jason Aaron writing that? I can't. Oh. Sorry, I can't. no. It's uh, Bendis is writing. Yeah, that. Uh, Bendis writing it. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It, it's well laid out. Uh, yeah, uh, Wolverine the X Men. Read the first few trades of that. That was a lot of fun yeah. too. Um, yeah, and that's so Jason just, Aaron. Yeah, so just you know, a lot of trades. Uh, I, again, tried Big Trouble in Little China. Don't think I'll keep reading that. Um, just you know. How about GI Joe Transformers? GI Joe Transformers again. Got the free comic book day issue. Decided it was not for me, but hey, I wish them the best of luck with it. I mean, it's it it's feeding the need and it's got an audience. Uh, Has anyone read that that John Byrne Star Trek thing? No, no. Where it's all photoshopped? No. Where like sat through and went through all the DVDs and did screen captures? No, no, I don't. I don't read anything Star Trek, I'm sorry. The other thing I've not read, Ryan, maybe you have. You read Ragnarok yet? Yes. Oh, my God, that is really good. So so the the one down down note for me at Baltimore was that uh, I went to Simonson's table multiple times <laughs> to try and get a sketch. Um, I, 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 you know. Uh, he that was is a running legendary. gag, man. It was a running gag. It was. Um, look, I, I, I picked up the, the Judas coin trade. And hardcover a while back. It's a great book, and I want a Batlash sketch. I'm probably the only okay. person in America that wants a Batlash sketch from Walt Simonson. Nice. And uh, so I went to him. Went first day, no luck. Went at the end of the uh, Friday afternoon, at like uh, six fifty-five, and the thing closed at seven. And I said, "Mr. Simonson, you're going to be sketching tomorrow." He goes, "Oh, if you got some paper now." I said, "Well, I'd really like a Batlash sketch in my Judas Coin book." He goes, "Oh, I need some reference for that." I'm like, "You drew the damn book? Are you kidding me?" And so I went back the next day. He said, come early. Well, you know, I saw how that went. And then I waited in line. And so Sunday, I waited in line. I was the first guy in line. I waited in line for two and a half hours. I made new friends. I got to look at some great sketchbooks from other people. And he gets there, and he's like, guys, the line's too long. I'm not going to sketch right now. I said, Mr. Simonson, I'd love to get a Batlash sketch in this book. (laughs) When do you think I should come back? Come back at 3. Yeah, I go back at three. He's not even there. So I said, oh, eh. wow. and and it was interesting because one of Shannon's pals, as we were standing there talking at his table, said, "Oh, Walt doesn't like to sketch at shows much anyway." So, <laughs> so I'll try again next year at some show. I mean, you know, it yeah. is kind of the thrill of the hunt. And and look, he's doing it for free. I appreciate what he does. Uh, it's a the Judas Coin book is very interesting if you're into that. Uh, yeah. So you know, hey, if it happens, it happens. If not, it's okay too. Yeah. Ragnarok is. I have only read the first issue. I think that's all that's come out so far. Yeah. Um, but number one, the quality of stock, like it's a nice cardboard stock cover and everything else. Um, but uh, the art's beautiful, which you know, if you like Walt Simonson, you would expect that. Um, the story, I was expecting to read a rehash of sorts of Marvel's Thor, but like done more with Asgard and everything else. And it's not that at all. It's, it's, it's a pretty complex story and uh, not to the point of not understanding it. Just like he's got a lot of characters where you can really see him delve into multiple characters and their stories and everything else. So, but what is it? I mean, what's the story? 
It's uh, it's, basic. it's Ragnarok. It's the end of Viking times, or in the Norse. But is it like? So who's putting it out? IDW. Uh, IDW. Yeah. Okay, so it's not Marvel Thor. No, no, no. 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 Is it set in current time? No, it's, no. It's it's set no, in. No. Isn't it? It's I, old. It's old. It's old times. Yeah. I'm just trying to get a feel for the series because I I read it. It it's very fantasy based. Okay. Um. You're dealing with this couple, and the and the wife mm-hmm. is like it seems like they're both, from what I could read, they're both the husband and wife are assassins of sorts, okay. <clears throat> and they're I believe they're elves, um, like dark elves, and now they have a family, and she has she's been sent off to go after somebody. She doesn't want to leave her family, but she has a duty to go do so, and she like walks into this bar and is just like, I need to form a team. And ends up having to kick everybody's ass in the bar because they don't take her seriously. Um, that's like within the first like five six pages. So, but the backdrop um, is is Ragnarok is going on. Right. right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, another story that I'm reading. I just read the first issue and I really liked it. Is if you liked uh, Firefly at all or that style of story, like the space western. Um, Copperhead. I read number one of that, and that was a lot of fun to read. Who is that published by? That's uh, Image. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's Jay Farber is doing the story, uh-huh. and uh, Scott G- uh, Godlewski and Ron Riley do the art. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I re- I really like it. It's basically this woman shows up to town. It's like she's trying to start a new life, and she's the new sheriff and she kicks all kinds of ass, but this, like, giant alien fuzzy guy who is the deputy there greets her, and you oh, find out yeah. that okay. that he was supposed to be the sheriff of the town, um, which all these pa- this part of the story was actually in the previews. Yeah. They actually showed the first few pages of it, and that, that was pretty good. Um, which is, is done by image, yeah. just to let you know. I did confirm that. And uh, Cowl is another one. I know Robert and I talked about that in a past episode uh, by um, what the hell is his name now? Um, is it the, it's the Cowl, right? C O like C no. period O. No, okay. It's not the, but it's it is C period O period okay. W yeah, period yeah, yeah. Yeah. L period. It's uh, Kyle Higgins. Okay. And uh, it's definitely not for kids. <laughs> But it's basically if uh, superheroes had a labor union. <laughs> That's what it's about, basically. Okay. I'm on weekends off. Exactly. No, you gotta you gotta do the. Uh, I want weekends off. <laughs> I don't work on January the ninth. It's Elvis's birthday. But um, I've read the first three issues of that, and I have the fourth one in my hand right now. I haven't read it yet. But... <laughs> wow. Really? I didn't say anything. <laughs> How soon was this over? Because then you can uh, take care of that business if you need to. No. Then you can keep coming on the show. No, i gotta, <laughs> I got to keep the excitement up, so... Isn't it 38 special? It's saying about hang on loosely. We were talking about. I was just having this conversation with somebody about the fact that, that was it you, Shannon? Why this song has to do with masturbation? That hang on loosely. 
the song Hang On Loosely. No, it's about Hang On Sloopy. No, that's yeah. that's somebody else. <laughs> it wasn't me. That's a whole other song. <laughs> I, was, I talked to you about Hang On Sloopy, but that was it. <laughs> That was not about masturbation. Yeah. No. no, it's not. Hang on loosely, but don't let go. If you hold too tightly, you're going to lose control. It's 38 special, man. Come on. No, that wasn't me. No, okay. Hang on, hang on. Sloopy was me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, and we're the A team, huh? I want to be sure. Right. You guys are the A team, right? Yeah, this show's going to, like, oh, everybody dropped off after the first five minutes. I wonder why that was. I'm going to be like, uh, I'll email you guys later and say, oh, you know what? It didn't record. <laughs> oh, I forgot to push. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we talk I actually, about Robert's sister again? Right, we can talk about Robert's sister again, sure. <clears throat> she's She's hanging on loosely. So. I'm not touching that. Oh, anyways, I, I could, uh, but I'm not. Actually, to go to circle back to Winterworld, uh, Shannon, Whoa. in this month, <laughs> she's a frigid bitch. <laughs> no, she's not. She's a lovely woman. She's a lovely woman, and I hope she becomes an agent. <laughs> um, what about but no, you're. Winter World, uh, in this month's previews, they actually have it offered again, the uh, collection of the original 80s story in both uh, hardcover and trade paperback. And the hardcover is like $2 more than the trade paperback. I don't I don't get why you would get the trade paperback and not just shell out the 2 bucks to get the hardcover. Who was the artist on the original? Oh, I can't pronounce his name. Some like, weird Spanish yeah. name. Yeah. Oh, okay. It doesn't say it in here. But he, but he worked it. on the Punisher for a long time too. Yeah, he did the Punisher yeah. graphic novel. Yeah, it's like Zunikia or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember it. Um, did you know that Robert's actually doing a cover for? Of your, we were talking about crossovers uh, for Turtles and Ghostbusters. Well, if it's cool, Robert's getting to do it. I don't. I don't get to do it. Wait, is Everybody it Jorge Zafino? Yes. That's not that strange. It's a little strange. Yeah, you know. Do you say Zafino a lot? Does that come up in conversation very often? Jorge Zafino. <laughs> I've never heard of Jorge Zafino. I'd never really well, heard of go. Winter World until you guys started talking. I mean, I've heard of it in the last few months, people talking about it. But uh, It's a great series. I, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to admit, I don't agree with Chuck on a lot of what he spouts off. But I, I enjoy his writing, right? and, yeah. I, and I thought this was a really good series. When, when I read um, the original trade, I realized why IDW picked him to do G.I. Joe. Yeah. And I, because you read it and you're like, this is like a is like a grouchy snow job. Yes, <laughs> is. is. It's very much that. Yeah. Which is funny because I, I would almost wonder how it would have sold if they had played it off like that. Yeah. That would have been great. I, I enjoyed it, you know. Speaking of people needing a snow job. Um, God, really? <laughs> we lost John. Oh yeah, I'm. Oh yeah, I'm the really one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great. I book. actually had. I actually had a question uh, from something that was brought up way, way ago. Do you, Shannon, do you what? 
like or mind um, uh, the blank sketch covers that a lot of the comics are doing now? Like, how tough are they to work on? Or They've gotten better. I remember, like, one of the first ones I got was the, um, it was an IDW cover, and I think it was back when they were doing the zombie thing. Oh, okay. And somebody gave me a cover and asked me to do a sketch on it, and I could not get anything to adhere to it. Oh, wow. And it was the worst. Um, but I, I don't mind doing it on them. I just, it depends <laughs> on the paper. I don't mind doing it, huh? <laughs> Can you right. can you do that with glue? Can she be covered in glue? I could do it in macaroni and glue it to the cover. <laughs> no. Right. But seriously, it was like one of the covers that somebody gave me. I don't know who was the production person on it, but it was like I couldn't get Sharpie to work on it. I couldn't get India Ink to work on it, Copic, Copic, whatever. Nothing stuck to the damn thing. And even drawing on it in pencil wasn't really working. I just would have went with the macaroni and glue at that point. I would have. I should have. I should have gone with light bright and just started jabbing like plastic pieces <laughs> through the cover. <laughs> and then just hand it to him and go, I'm an artist. It's... This is how I work, man. <laughs> Don't judge me. Oh, and then, of course, what you could do is you could do a, like, bust your ass on a cover girl drawing, and then Robert cranks one out in an hour that makes yours look like crap. Because that's what happened at the show. That's not true. The Baltimore one? Come on, you saw that, that one. No, no. I, I think Robert I think, did this god awful, amazing cover girl, and it kicked my ass. <laughs> no, well, and, and Shannon's had the Wolverine in it, and she and Cover Girl was ever so delicately rubbing the missile tips to to make it a little more sexy without right. having her strewn over it like a playmate. And, well, that, yeah. and the guy said he wanted that, though. He was like, oh, can you do it sexy? <laughs> but not overly sexy. What, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm going to start a sketchbook with Robert's sister. <laughs> oh, my God. I think you <laughs> should totally just, do that. And then I'll just bring reference photos. <laughs> I, think, I think what you should do is start the sketchbook. And only do it at shows that she's at, and just bring her. Right. right. So here's your reference. Right. And and then once I have like a good ten to twelve sketches, then I go to Robert and say, "Can you do a sketch in the sketchbook?" And can can it be dirty? <laughs> can it be a wet T-shirt? There was that because guy that used to go around trying to get like people to draw his original character. It was just some chick in a tank top. Yeah. I thought she was supposed to be in glue. Covered in glue. Let's just mix them. Whatever Robert's sister is willing to do. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, on that <laughs> note. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, one title that I'm interested in, in reading to go back to comics. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, Garth Ennis is coming out with a uh, issue uh, comic series called War Stories? No. Is it actual War Stories? Is it like the one that um, David Lloyd did a few years ago? I don't know. It's it's basically it's supposed to be realistic war stories. I don't think it's yeah. based on actual events or not. But didn't, didn't they do that a few years ago? Was it DC or somebody? And it, I just remember buying one issue of it because it had David Lloyd, the guy that did the art for V for Vendetta in it. 
Oh, I don't know. The artist on this is Keith Burns. Oh, I didn't recognize the name, but from what I've heard from people, I'm not a huge Garth Ennis person, so I don't really know. But from what I heard from people that know his work really well, they're like, he tells some of the best war stories uh, there are. So I was like, all right, well, let's, I'll give this a try. Um, but that's coming out from Avatar Press, which scares me a little bit because they're the ones that come out with the crossed book and God is dead and dicks and whoa dicks. No, they actually do have a book, comic book called dicks. And it's about two guys that are, are dicks. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, so it's about the so. show. Right. I don't know how they get their material, but I'm not seeing a paycheck. Wow. <laughs> Just like you guys won't. <laughs> oh my god, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> so what else is uh, going on? Uh, not, I'm about to go down to Florida for a business trip. <clears throat> a business trip. <laughs> you asked what's going on. My wife got a job. Finally. Good for her. Yeah. How's the poll? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That is not her job. <laughs> That's her hobby. She's still right. <laughs> it's just something she enjoys doing, and I don't stop her. <laughs> not, not, to get, not to get off the subject, but did anybody see that Huffington Post thing where it was guys trying to do pole dancing? No. <laughs> no, okay. and why, pray tell, were you watching that? Because <laughs> Mel, Mel showed it to me. But it is the funniest damn thing, because dudes cannot pole dance. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, the video of the woman uh, going into the ocean, and also a giant great white shark jumps up and eats her, and then dives back into the water? And then what are you like a six year old telling a joke? No, was, that's like okay, wait, like this guy and he goes in the ocean and there's a sh- shark and then wait, I forgot a bit and then okay, wait, what is it? Why? I'm gonna hurt you. Okay. <laughs> so, so here's how it, it goes. Okay. Right. Like, okay, there's a shark. I hate you. <laughs> this hot woman dressed in a bathing suit goes in the ocean. As a giant too. great white shark dives up out of the water, eats her, takes her down in the water, and above in the sky, it just reads Tampax. I'm watching this. I'm watching this video, and I was like, "Is this a video for Shark Week? Stay, what is this?" And then, I'll, stay classy. <laughs> and then it says Tampax, and I was like, "That's funny." <laughs> this show left class a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow! You realize I do all the post editing work, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> Just what, do crickets sound better than that? That sounded pretty damn good. I do a pretty I'll cricket. Just, I'll just change the crickets into applause, that's all. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about what that sounds like. <laughs> one hand clapping in the woods. <laughs> well, it sounds like one hand doing something, but... <laughs> Wait a minute. 
There you go. Uh, you can't see that. It was not what you thought it was. Yeah, that's great radio. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So well, when, when are we doing the Gamester thing? Uh, we might be doing it on the 29th. Let me put this in my calendar. I want to be on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I just watched all those episodes. You know, it's funny. I was watching them in, like, was it Jerry Conway wrote one of them? With <laughs> he his did, friend. right. Yeah. And then Marv Wolfman wrote one. Marv Wolfman wrote one of them, yeah. And, and I think the one that Marv Wolfman wrote was the uh, Lasers in the Sky, which is yeah. the quick one. I was like, wow. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, stick to Crisis on Infinite Earths and... Teen Titans. But what was the um, what was the last one? The last one was the Sirens. Yeah, I actually, and that was the Conway one, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. The only thing that was the only thing that was weird about that one is all of a sudden Joes and Cobras had a whole bunch of women grunts that came out of nowhere. Yeah, they they kind of added. <laughs> yeah. But I thought story wise, I thought it was actually one of the stronger ones. Yeah. Because you didn't like the you didn't like the Viper? The Viper of the economy. Mm. <laughs> that was I watched I, I watched that one, I was like, I still love this episode. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those it, it was like the standard seventy sitcom episode. Sure. Yep. And what drives me about nuts about those things is it's like, okay, how many fucking coincidences can you <laughs> try and make me believe in one episode? Right. Like, oh, there just happens to be like a Shangri-La thing in the middle of, you know. Like, well, my favorite thing is that they went to the, the ice, uh, the Antarctic, and there was a R&R base there, and all the yeah. Cobra grunts are still wearing their helmets and their face masks. But they're wearing knee-high sports socks, which was okay, <laughs> right. and running shorts. Right. Because it's warm out in the Antarctic. Right. <laughs> right. No, you know what, what killed me about it was they they went to West Point or whatever it was. Yeah. On the most flimsy, it was like a Batman clue from the old '66 show <laughs> of like West Corner might have been West Point. Oh yeah, let's go there. Let's go to West Point. Yeah. yeah. But then they get there and it's nothing like Taps. I was totally expecting like these guys crying in the corner because they're getting shot at. You know, like I don't want to be a soldier anymore. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. And then there's like 15,000 West Point cadets with guns. And then right. they're doing the scene of like, you better give up. And the West Point guys start like cocking their guns or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, and it keeps going on. They're delivering dialogue. And it, you hear in the background, like, oh, maybe we should give up. Like, really? Everybody has to do it one at a time. You guys can't all do it together. But it goes on for like they, 20 minutes. They needed the background noise and they ran out of Star Wars sound effects. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. That's supposed to be a laser blast and it just sounds like a door opening. <laughs> like, I remember that. I swear one of one of the episodes, it sounded like I heard I swear to God, I thought I heard uh, Chewbacca. Well, you know, <clears> probably did. Is, you know, what's funny is you watch all the shows from that time period, everybody was trying to rip off Star Wars so bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, even Challenge of the Super Friends and Thundar and all those guys, like, you watch right. those shows and they're stealing sound effects or they're doing really bad rip-offs of the music. Right. 
And it's just like, did Lucas not have a lawyer that could go out and sue these people? <laughs> he could have made a fortune just from going, oh, well, you stole my Star Wars sound effect here and here and here and here and here. Well, look at look at uh, Transformers, how they would make all these vehicles, and it was based on actual cars and stuff like that, and the car manufacturers didn't say anything. They were just like, yeah, go ahead and make, make the Jeeps, make the, you know, the... Um, uh, Volkswagen bug and Peterbilt. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, just just go ahead and make them. Now they're trying to do the masterpiece figures, and they have to actually get the licensing from like Lamborghini and everything else to mm-hmm. go ahead and make some of these figures. And it's like, well, you didn't care about them in the '80s. Why are you caring about them now? That's also <laughs> surprising. I, I I can't believe that they got away with stuff back then. Yeah, like that. Well, in a way, I think they just viewed it as free advertising. Yeah, they were just like, hey, these kids will play with these toys as a kid, and when they get older, they're yeah. going to want these vehicle or these, you know, actual vehicles that re- remind them of the cars and trucks that they played with as a kid. Because everybody's going to be able to afford a Lamborghini. Right. Yeah. I got two in the garage. I don't know about you. you John, know, how come you don't pick me up for me, me calling? Well, you know, the, the Countach only comes out for special occasions. <laughs> you know, did, but you of course, that, did you see that? Did you see that Top Gear? No. With the, no. Oh my god, you guys gotta watch the James May Car of the People series. It's only three episodes. But he nice. he does the Countach or whatever the hell the thing is called. Mel no, the, the Countach is from the 80s, and of course, forgetting yeah. Transformers, when I was 15, 14, 15, 16, I had a poster of a girl strewn over a Countach. Showing off her Countach for the most part. Whoa. Um, well, you know, <laughs> within reason for the, you know, it was the mid 80s, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't like it would be now. Necessarily we could tell her religion, but, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. But it's but the same was... way with TV shows of that time, which yeah. I'm sure you, some of you, you've seen, maybe either of you have seen, they, they just announced, uh, I think it's Shout Factory, WKRP? Rhino, or, yeah, WKRP yeah. is going to come out and with yeah. like 90% of the original music. Which is so amazing because that music yeah. was, yeah, and it's the same way with the state for MTV, my favorite sketch show of all time. Yeah, you were telling me the, the original music on the state when you buy the DVDs, it's none of it, and it yeah. sucks. It it kills the the mood when you're listening to when you're watching two hundred dollars worth of pudding, and instead of getting right. Marvin Gaye, I'm getting some canned you know garbage. So, well, the, you, you can't get. Um, I mean, I realize this is a, a kids' show, but you—that's why you've never seen Muppet Babies get released right. because they had so many movie references in it that all had licensing. But back then, it was like it was okay. But it's all owned so, by Disney now, isn't it? So I mean, why can't they? Much. <laughs> they? They own. They pretty they, much can they, now. They yeah. own Lucasfilm, right? So like, wasn't right. most of it Star Wars and and and, 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 Indiana, and, and Indiana Jones? And, <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. And it just happened though. You'll probably see it within a year. Right, exactly. No, I wouldn't be surprised if it pops out. Well, and here's the thing, too. I made the comment when Disney bought Lucasfilm and Star Wars and everything. I made the comment. I was like, well, we're finally going to get the original trilogy yeah. the, in the original format on Blu-ray. And everyone said, no, no, Lucas still has rights. He's still going to say no and everything else. And what happened? Disney's been announcing yeah. that they're, that's what they're going to do. Because, because guess what? It's going to make money. Yeah. And Disney doesn't Disney give a care shit. About. Yeah, they don't give a shit about integrity. They just want to make money. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. 
So, I mean, and that's the thing, too. I do think the new movie is probably going to be good. I mean, everything seems like it's going to go in that direction because Disney doesn't want to flop. They don't want a Phantom Menace because people are going to be like, you know what? I'm not going to go see anymore if they're going to be like the prequels were. So I, I think they have a lot riding on this episode. So I think they got a lot riding on it, but it seems to me, you know, we're, we're in this time where every year the movies get bigger and bigger yeah. for us as, as, as geeks or nerds or fans or whatever you want to call it. And right. if you don't want to call yourself that, that's fine too. But you know, you, you look and you say, in the last 10 years, you've gotten these Marvel movies. You're getting DC movies beyond, you know, the, the dark Knight stuff, right? You know, you've gotten transformers, we've gotten all these, these properties we're fans of even, you even got GI Joe, like it or not, you got GI Joe movies, but right. you, you continue, you know, as technology improves and as they, they're going to keep pumping these things out. Yeah. So I, in fact, I was reading, I think if they said it's next year, they're worried about, can, can any of the movies, with all of the movies coming out, are they all going to be able to make a profit? Because yeah, they will. people can't afford, you know, <clears throat> going to the movies. But, like we we went to see Guardians, friggin' loved it. Right. It's it's it's, yeah. it's my. It's hard to compare it to Captain America two because I love that sure. movie too. But sure. They were great films, right? Yeah. But you know, if I took my kids to see. Guardians in the afternoon, it was still thirty bucks or whatever. Yeah. Right. I can't go see three or four or five movies next year for thirty dollars at a pop. I don't think. I mean, so I've got to decide what what do I want to see? Is it Avengers two? If right. it's from you know or or whatever comes out, or Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be in line yeah. for Star Wars, I'm sure. But it's sure. it's uh, the the thing that make the thing that I don't like is the fact that they want us to all they, they want, everybody wants to know what's going on with it. I want to go into those things with no clue. Right. I mean, because when we were kids, I mean, think about it. When you went to go see, maybe you're not old enough, Ryan. Sorry, Shannon. You saw like Jedi in the theater, right? Nobody knew what we were. I saw Jedi. I was only four. Okay. Okay. Well, so like we see an Empire in the theater, (laughs) and the big reveal in Empire, like nobody knew about that stuff, right? And now, of course, it's it's everybody knows. But I don't want to walk into Episode Seven knowing half the story before it happens. The right. only one I didn't, the only one I didn't see in the theater when it came out was A New Hope. Because um, you were a fetus, right? I, mean, I right. was. Well, no, I was. I was two when it oh, came okay, out. Oh, okay, okay. And they, they did a re, <laughs> they did a re-release in '79 before Empire, right. the year before Empire came out. So I saw it then. I'm almost certain I saw it then. I know I saw Empire in the theater, and I know I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater because I was eight. Do you know the first? Do you remember the first movie you saw, or if you have like a baby book? Do you know the first movie your parents ever took you to? Um, God, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I have a few thoughts, but I can't remember what years things came out. Shannon, what about you? Um, <clears throat> Oh my god, um, it's weird because it's one of those time periods that all, everything blends together. So it was either airport. Um, I remember my mom taking me to see Jaws, which is a great film to take a small child to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know I've never swam in the ocean. Um, what was the other one? And for some vague reason, I remember either. Lady and the Tramp, or the f- the fish that say Pittsburgh. <laughs> Those are like the earliest movie memories that I have. 
my, mine I only know because my mom put it in my baby book. I saw Herbie Goes Bananas. Oh, that's the first movie one. they ever took me to. That's a good one. <laughs> I honestly want to say Empire might, if I didn't see the original Star Wars in the theaters, because like I said, that's kind of hazy for me. Yeah. Um, but I think I saw it. It had to be Empire that I saw as far as remembering. I, I'm sure my parents took me to go see some cartoon kitty stuff when I was a kid. But the one that I have a vivid memory of, like going to the theater and what happened, everything else was but, was Empire. But even when you saw episode one, for all its faults, and it's got a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but when you saw that in you know what, 50, it's fifteen years now. You saw that right. fifteen years ago. You walked in, you had no clue. Well, I, I didn't. I, if you did, no. good on you. No, but you had so, you had big hopes though. You, you did, it, right. yes. But hopes and expectations are different from the glut of. Information that's out there right. and the pic, the aerial pictures of Millennium Falcon and X-wing fighter and all that stuff. Yeah, I, it's kind of like I, I've real. I'm, yeah. the, <laughs> I've the tried to block folk, that stuff because I don't yeah. want to know. Just like I don't want to know aerial, about pictures or anything yeah. that stuff. I just want to be yeah. able to go in and, and enjoy it and and not have any kind of preconceived expectations. Yeah, and I've been selective about what I post on the Facebook page because I did have a couple people that reached out to me and said. Hey, you're posting spoiler stuff, and I'm like, I'm the stuff I'm posting that's spoiler is in articles, and I just post the articles for those that want to read it. Sure. You don't have to read it right. if you choose to read it, and you mm-hmm. hate me because you because I spoiled it. It's not my damn fault. Right. It's everywhere. But you know what's funny though about all of that? Like I've gotten to the age where I'm totally patient enough to wait now. Yeah. Like I haven't seen half of the new Doctor Who's that are out, and I love that show. But I'm just kind of like, eh, I'll get to it when I get to it. What's yeah. funny to me, though, is like even when I hear the spoilers and all that stuff, it doesn't make a difference to me. No. Because it, it's kind of like, oh, well, is Superman going to live? Yeah, he's going to fucking live. It's Superman. He's not going <laughs> right. to die. So it's really about the, how they get to wherever the conclusion right. is. You know what I mean? It's like walking, watching The Walking Dead. I know Rick and the kid are going to live. Everybody else may die, but I know they're going to live. Right. So it's really just kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to go into this knowing that Daryl gets shot in the head or whatever, you know. And, and guess what? If I end up watching it and Rick does get killed, all the better to them yeah. because I'm like, oh, I did not see that coming. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's like you watch the Avengers. You know they're not going to die. Right. So you just sit back and enjoy the ride. I mean, and you that's really all that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew yeah. the team of Guardians of the Galaxy were going to win in the end. There was no surprise there. It was the fun ride of getting through the to whole the movie. Yeah. But right. it was a it was a, it was was a a tremendously fun ride. And oh, yeah. Again, no, no expectation. It, for me, that movie had no expectation. I knew about Rocket reading the old you know, Magnolia right. book from 30 years ago, right? Like, yeah. I had no f- f- current reference. And I, I listened to a bit of your... The last episode, Ryan, or the yeah. the one prior to your interview with right. Karen Travis, and you know, I, I didn't know, and and that's okay, you know. I mean, for yeah. me, and that's the yeah, and that's the stuff I got into, and I actually got some really nice listener feedback from doing that episode. Um, there's a lot of people that want me to just keep going with it because they don't, they never read that stuff, and they like the movie, so they want to hear more. So I was like, all right, I'll do more. I don't, I love because I was reading all that stuff, so I did know a lot about the characters. The thing I get annoyed with is there's been some people that didn't like the movie, which is totally fine. You don't have to like it, but they're like, 
it's not what I was expecting. And I'm like, did you see any of the trailers? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so you saw the trailers and you still were expecting something different because I saw the trailers and what I was excited about was what I was seeing in the trailers. And when I went to the movies, I got exactly what I was expecting. It's one of the few times I've seen trailers for a movie. And I went, you know what? That told me those trailers gave me the exact idea of what this movie was going to be like. It was going to be funny. It was going to be action. It was going to be, awesome music so, wait, so, wait, so what were people expecting i mean I, I i have to be honest and say i'm not one of the guys that thought it was just the greatest film ever made yeah, yeah that's fine um i enjoyed it I, I think part of the problem for me was is i heard so much hype about it i went in expecting way too much yeah but what, for me what were for me it was complaining about yeah well a couple people i know um said that they were wanting it to be more like the comic which is a little bit darker tone at times, which I don't agree with, but that's what they said. Um, the like Star Lord's a little bit more serious. In in this, he was a lot more jokey, and I'm like, he's sarcastic. He that's the character. It seems to fit the story very well, considering he's this a uh, you know kidnapped kid that now lives in the stars and was raised by pirates. I would kind of expect him to be the type of character he is. Smartass. Yeah. 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 So like. I don't know. I don't know what they were expecting, but that's some of the things I heard. I, I think, you know, for me, I saw it. My boys had already seen it with my dad. My dad is 70 years old. He's never uh-huh. seen a Marvel movie before. Okay. Never, right? My dad hadn't taken my dad took me to the movies when I was a kid. We saw Star Wars and Indiana Jones and, you know, we saw these movies, but he hasn't gone to movies in a long I think the last time we saw a movie as a family, Ryan, you'll appreciate this was Muppet Christmas Carol, what, nineteen ninety one. Right? Nice. So, you know, so he hadn't been to movies in a long time. Yeah, I say that somewhat jokingly, but he's not a movie guy. He took the kids to see Guardians and he, he told me he's like I was really impressed. It was a lot of fun. It was it was a, a yeah. good story. So I went in it, it not knowing what to expect. I'm with Shannon. It's not the greatest thing I ever saw, but it was for a summer movie. It was a blast. I got a really yeah, good time, fun. and I laughed. And I, you know, and I, I like Chris Pratt because I think Parks and Rec's a great show. So I really enjoyed right. him. I, I thought Batista was shockingly good as Drax. Like yeah. he couldn't believe how funny he was. Uh, right. and, and part of that is obviously the script and what they gave him to work with. But sure. yeah, just all around, it was just fun. And you know. Am I going to remember well, every scene for the next 20 years? No, but I had a good time, and yeah. that's – Yeah, and I'm definitely someone that I've made no bones about it. I am one of the people that thinks it was a fantastic movie, and I absolutely adore it. But I think because when I went into it, you're talking about the fun of it and everything else. When I went into it, it's the first time in a very long time that I went in, into a movie theater and watched a movie, and I felt like I was eight years old again. Yeah. I and I felt that. like yeah. – I was just having a fun time yeah. watching this movie, and I think that's why it hit me at my core a lot more, because it's been a long time since I've seen a movie that, that was just a fun movie like that. I got a question for you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, and maybe it's on along the same lines, where, as far as movies of the year, you know, 2014, where do you put it, like, next to Cap? I mean, did you? Because they're obviously I, so different in tone. Yeah. I loved I Cap. Yeah. For it, me, so I put it... Yeah, for me personally, just because of how it hit me and because I'm, you know, the Star Wars guy and everything else, and it had elements of that, and I love the show Firefly, which it has elements mm-hmm. of that in it, it is a little bit higher than Cap for me, but it's like hair difference from each other. Yeah. Because Cap, like you said, is a very different movie, and it was an awesome, like this awesome espionage spy thriller type movie. So, 
like there's three movies this year that just blew me away and I was so happy I went and saw and was very excited about and those were Cap 2, X-Men Days of Future Past and Guardians of the Galaxy. All three of those movies to me I was so happy walking out of the theater because I I decided to go see them. It, for me, Shannon, you haven't seen Cap or X-Men, right? No. So for me, Days of Future Past was good. Mm-hmm. What put it over just scenes wise like I, I Daniel my younger boy and I were talking about this one day after we saw Guardians the first time you see Groot and Rocket machine gun blazing in the prison oh, scene yeah. like, you're like holy crap the other one for that was the, the Quicksilver scene in X-Men that yes. that scene made that movie for me oh yeah absolutely like it was it was fine otherwise I hated the Sentinel design but that's just me um, yeah. it was a g- good movie it w- yeah. didn't necessarily it wasn't up there with the other with the with the with the Marvel Studio movies. It was good, but not great. But that that one scene when I walked out, I was like, "Holy cow! How is Whedon going to top his version of Quicksilver with that?" Oh, because yeah. that was yeah. astounding. Like that was so much. Oh, yeah. And the music was fun, and you know, it just uh, right. yeah. I mean, it was yeah, it's good. But again, as we were talking about earlier, it's a great time for fans and for people that have a passion Absolutely. for these things. Because it's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> no, and I and I keep and I keep hearing that like people are like, well, when are when are moviegoers going to be tired of these superhero movies and stuff like that? And I was like, you know what? I don't think they're going to be. I think as long as you keep putting out quality stuff, people are going to keep going seeing it. Now, the second you put out a crappy movie, people won't go see that one, and maybe they'll have reservations about going seeing the next one. But to me, at this point, there's been so many great ones that have come out. That superhero movies are now its own genre, and to say that superhero movies are going to go away is like saying action movies are going away at this point, or dramas, or chick flicks, and stuff like that. I don't see superhero movies going away. I see maybe there might be a time period where there's been some crappy ones, so that Hollywood decides not to do any for a few years, but then they're going to come right back and do them again. So what was your question, Shannon? No, the only comment I was going to make is is I was going to ask about um, you were talking about how much fun it was, the film. Yeah. And it seems like there's this trend, you know, how we all went through this thing in the 80s and everything after Dark Knight and everything was so, you know, gritty and dark and everything. But it seems like the industry is actually starting to take this turn back toward that lighter fare. Okay. Of like the 70s or 60s or whatever you want to call it, where it's not taking itself so damn seriously all the time. Right, right. And I think Guardians is kind of a slight reflection of that. Sure. And I tend to wonder, you know, I'm not saying it was like the greatest series, but I really did enjoy it. Was um, And John knows I, how much I loved it, was the the Bionic Man thing that James Cahorick did. Mm-hmm. The $6 million man thing. I, yeah. I think there's a place now where it didn't seem like there has been for a while of just comics that are for fun. Yeah. Where it is the kind of, I don't need this big giant epic that's going to change the universe forever and blah, 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 or whatever. Right. But there is this space for comics that are just, you know what? I'm having a good time reading this one book. Yeah. It's entertained me. It's hasn't changed the way I view the world, but boy, that was, that was a fun read. Yeah, and I have books like that that I, I definitely read, and I have certain titles I'll pick up because it seems like it's going to be fun. I'll give you an example. is um, I think it's Boom Studios is coming out with a four-issue miniseries called uh, Fiction Squad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that looks it 
seem like it was going to be a fun title. It, it, like you said, it's, am I going to read it and go, wow, this is just mind blowing? No, but I was like, it's about fairy tale characters that, uh, have a police force and stuff like that. And I'm like, that sounds like it could be a fun story to read. Yeah. Um, so why not pick that up and read it? But I also have my, you know, serious in depth stories. And I think there's a good balance. And if you, that you, everyone should have, if you only like the dark and grit and gritty stuff, then you're missing out on some. But then if you only like the super light, fun stuff, well, you could be missing out on some really cool stories also. But it seemed like for a while there, there that wasn't there at all. I agree. You I know? agree. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm really kind of happy about. And what's weird is that a lot of it seems to be coming out of the independent market. Yeah, and, I agree. And on the downside of that, unfortunately for me, I feel like a lot of the artwork isn't up to snuff. But it's sure. nice to see that the, the stories are coming around, and it seems like some of the mainstream companies, especially Boom and Dynamite, seem to be taking that on as like a, a well, here's a niche that we can we can right. play out. Whereas I seem IDW, nothing against them, obviously because they employ me. Um. Uh, and John, I had this conversation with you about they had so much success with My Little Pony, and mm-hmm. it seems like that they're just trying to like, okay, how can we repeat that? And they've right. kind of gone down the line of licenses, yeah, yeah. Um, which is is not a bad approach, but I don't know that it's constantly working that well. I well, need them as we've talked them. about, and Ryan, we we've. We at least talked about this on the forums. You know, yeah. I, I got real beef with putting out garbage pail kids and right. whatever else. All these one shots. Uh, yeah, what do you get from that? I mean, if you get a one issue pop and you sell them, great. What does that do for everything else? Right for your GI Joe or your Transformers or Turtles licenses that you have long running books with. Mm-hmm. You know, right. putting all the or 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 uh, Angry Birds. Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. I think people. I don't know how many people are still playing Angry Birds. I know Ryan. I think you used to play the Star Wars Angry Birds. I know yeah. my my little my younger boy did. But those, you know, that seems like it's about two years too late. Yeah, I agree. You know, and so why why put in time and energy and money into things that realistically are not? You know, you. you it's hard to stay ahead, and yeah, I mean, Shannon hit it. I mean, they, they nailed it with Pony for whatever reason, right? That that was right. like lightning in a bottle. Probably never get lucky again like that. And, and I honestly think that if you took that there are some – because I obviously this show is all about licensed properties. I honestly think there's some licensed properties that they could do something with that might not have the success that Pony does. But if they actually put a real story behind it and not just put it out because – Hey, look what we're doing. We're doing mask or, Hey, look what we're doing. We're doing silver Hawks or whatever yeah. it is. If they put a serious idea behind that and revamp, you know, the, the, uh, make it a contemporary style story. I think you could get a fan base to pick it up and read it. The problem is, like you said, they're starting to focus on, well, what's the next thing that we can put out there? What's the next thing we can put out there instead of what's the next story that we can tell? But am I oh, am well. I the only person that was disappointed that Dungeons and Dragons wasn't the cartoon? <laughs> I mean, but uh, honestly, you know, because I was when I was doing this lecture at the Art Institute the other night, and we were talking, they were asking me about GI Joe. I described mm-hmm. Joe as a nostalgic book, not a period book. Yeah. 
And because it's not set in the 80s, it's not set in a time period where people didn't have cell phones. But the guys that yeah. are reading the book, and John, you can either, you know, tell me I'm full of it or, or agree. Mm-hmm. It's a nostalgic book. They they want yeah. to pick up the book and feel like they're reading what they read when they were a kid. Yeah, I'd and agree with even, that. Even if it doesn't, even if it has cell phones and technology that didn't exist when they were a kid, they want it to feel like that. Right. And and I'll, and that, I'll give that you was perfect... my point with the Dungeons and Dragons thing. I think for me, it, it missed the mark because it wasn't the cartoon. Right. I want those characters. I want the goofy electric bow or whatever you want to call it. I'm... And I'll tell you right now, I picked that up and read it because I was the same way. I wasn't the person that played Dungeons and Dragons. The only thing I knew about Dungeons and Dragons was, was the cartoon. Yeah, that, right. That's all I ever knew. But I enjoyed the cartoon. Yeah, and so when I saw the book was coming out and I picked up the first issue, I was so disappointed. Yeah, and I tend to wonder how many books, and I think that's what James was trying to do with with Six Million Dollar Man, was make a book that appealed to the guys and enjoyed the show. And I, I'll give I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of a book that did that for me was one that Robert and I were we were going to review tonight as like a, a Kessel Run episode was uh, the Wildstorm did with Thundercats when it, when they first yeah. started. When the first Ed McGinnis, yeah, yeah, you read that, you thought you were. I honestly felt like I was reading an episode from the cartoon. Yeah, I was so jealous of Ed on that book because I, I, I would have loved to have done that. Yeah, and I'm like, this is what I would want to come out now because again, I read it again this week to to be ready for the review and everything else, and I was like, this really does feel like I'm reading an episode of the cartoon, and it looks like an episode of the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, it did a great job of capturing the feel of the book. I mean, yeah. feel of the show. Yeah. And I, I tend so. to wonder how, you know, IDW seems to be so big on the on the license. And I've talked to them about this. Uh, yeah. Why not, you know, and, and granted, Warner Brothers or whoever owns the rights to it, but how many people really want a Thundar book? Oh, I do. And, and I honestly believe if you go back and you watch that show, because I've also gone back and, and recently been watching the old Planet of the Apes TV show. Yeah. yeah, which a lot of people write off, but I think it's actually a, a strong show. I know it's got its problems, and it was done in the seventies, but from a concept standpoint, I think it's a strong series. And I think you could do a comic set in that that same kind of environment and make it work. And I think yeah. Thundar has so many levels that it could work on as a comic series that never totally got explored. Agree. You know, because we never did find out the whole origin of Thundar. Right. We've got hints of it and we've got bits of it, but we never actually got to explore it. And I've watched a lot of those episodes now as an adult, and there's a lot of nuances that I didn't pick up on as a kid, but I loved it as a kid. And I pick up on a lot of those little things now. And that's been my argument all along when it comes to a lot of these properties, Shannon, is that there's a lot of 80s properties out there where that's maybe the actual execution from the 80s wasn't the best, but the concept yeah. behind it. Yeah was really strong. Yeah. Um, I'll give you another example of something that I saw that came out was mask. There's, there is a following for mask. And I think that if you did it right, people would pick up the comic. The problem is, uh, Hasbro did the, um, the one shot for New York comic con where, so that they could keep all their licenses. Yeah. Um, and they did mask. It was in there. And the concept for in that comic for mask was total, totally, completely different yeah. from the '80s cartoon. Yeah. 
And I don't understand that because so many guys will do that. They will bring out a book or bring out a movie or a cartoon or whatever, and it's based on the original series, and then they want to mess with it. Right. And I think, you know, as much as I, I gripe about Larry, that's the one thing Larry has been able to do. Yeah. Is that when you pick up the book, it still feels like you're reading a book from 1980, whatever. Right. Granted, that's because Larry hasn't moved past that. <laughs> but, I mean, on it, you know, I'm just kidding. But, but the fact of the matter is, is it, it still feels like that book. It still yeah. feels well, like you're, that, that original series. Give you another one is, uh, IDW did, uh, Battle Beasts. They did a four issue mini, and initially I really liked it because it was, these humanoid beasts fighting each other. But then I, the more I thought about it, I was like, you took away the whole concept behind battle beasts, which what, which part of the concept was you had a fire team, a water team and a wood team. Mm-hmm. And they you said, wood. Beat, yeah. And they, and they beat each other. So they took that completely away and just put these humanoid beasts fighting each other and called it battle beasts. I'm like, that's not battle beasts. That's yeah. not what it was. But that's my point. I don't yeah. understand why they, they see a property that's successful and they automatically feel like they have to come in and change it. Yeah. It was successful for a reason. It's kind of like when you look at like the last Spider-Man movie. Right. And, and granted, I didn't see it, so I, I probably shouldn't be talking smack. But just from the commercials, that's not my rhino. No. That's not the rhino that's, I grew up with. Why do you got to mess with That's not your electro that? either. Yeah. So it's like, why do you have to mess with something that worked for a reason? Right. No, I I totally agree. Like, um, there's a reason why some of these short-lived '80s stuff still is in my memory banks. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, sectars and the Centurions and all that type of stuff. There's a reason I remember these short-lived cartoons and short-lived toy runs is because the concept behind them was really strong. So, if you want to bring them back, I don't need you to look at it and go oh, that wasn't successful, so let's change it completely, but still call it the same thing. No, there's a reason it stayed in my mind, and now if you do that concept justice, I will be a purchaser of the comic or the cartoon or the toy or whatever. Well, what's weird is I was having this conversation with someone about you have these licenses, right, and you have so many of them are owned by one company, and you get the company rights, so you have the rights to so many books. But they right. feel like they have to go out and do an entire series as opposed to just doing a mini series. Right. Right. I don't understand why they do that. I mean, to me, it makes yeah. more sense of like, okay, we're going to get the rights that are include these four or five titles, and we'll do a mini series or a trade or, or whatever you want to call it right. of right. each one of these properties, and almost do it like a variety show title, yeah. where it's yeah. like we'll do four issues of this, four issues of that, four issues of this, and we'll collect them as trades. And then see how it does, see which ones are right. resonating with people more. And then and then maybe you try one more mini-series of that particular one to see if it, if people are still buying it. And then if they are, then you then you switch over into that ongoing series or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because you know, you know by the fourth issue whether or not it was, a is, oh, they just bought it sure. for nostalgia. Or right. this is working as a property, we can keep this going for a while. Absolutely. And then don't do the switcheroo with us either. Don't do the mini series with this artist and this writer and then do the second mini series with the, the same artist and writer. And then you do the ongoing and you completely change the creative team. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. Or, or at least get people that are as enthusiastic about it that have a similar work style. Sure. Yeah. 
you know. But I don't, I don't need somebody that's going to come in looking like 1995 image when what I want is 1970s Neil Adams on my six million dollar man book. Right. You know. I I will say that um, if you can talk anyone into doing a Thundar comic, I will. Guarantee I'll pick up 20 copies of it just to help it be successful. I, I honestly believe that is one <laughs> title that could actually work. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. That and Sacred All right, Monsters. Gen- Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, it's <clears throat> getting late here, and I've got fun work tomorrow. So, Shannon, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your your stuff or follow you or whatever. Um, I'm just at slgallant.com. That's it. Awesome. And, John, where, where can people find you? You can find me uh, on the forums. JT3Fan, you can find me in Richmond at Mekong <laughs> quite often. Uh, Facebook, at John Thurman, Twitter at that John Thurman. Also, uh, I am on staff with the Virginia Comic Con, which is coming up. Our two-day show is in November, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, we talked briefly earlier uh Big announcement today that Jay Lee is coming in for the show. Uh, we have Steve Rude, who I'm extremely psyched to meet. Uh, Larry Hama, Herb Trimpey, uh, a, a cast of hundreds. Unfortunately, I don't think Mr. Gallant will be able to join us, but uh, <laughs> VAComicCon.com for tickets. Two-day ticket is 20 bucks. Uh, we have an exclusive cover. It's uh, near and dear to many of you. It'll be uh, a Matt Slay, who some of you have met. Matt Slade did a uh, Ninja Turtles cover that's going to be on the Ninja Turtles Ghostbusters crossover. Uh, nice. Red foil cover, 1,000 copies, and then a gold foil cover that's only a limited edition of 250. It'll be the smallest limited edition Ghostbusters book ever put out uh, to date. So, yeah, uh, vacomicon.com. And uh, certainly let me know if you have questions about the show. But uh, a great local show. Uh, certainly not on a uh, volume level that you'd see at a, uh, a Baltimore or New York or San Diego by any stretch of imagination. A nice local show, uh, treats you great, great venue, and uh, would love to see people come out for it. Nice. You can also find John uh, outside Robert's sister's window. Negative. <laughs> that would be Shannon. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at the forumforgeeks.com. You can uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at Starjoes Podcast. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, you can leave send us an email. It's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. Uh, we actually did get two voicemails, but I'm going to... I'm saving them for the animated episode uh, because it's a special guest that left the voicemails again. So uh, perfect for those episodes. So uh, you know who you are. Just realize I did get the voicemail and I'm going to play them in a future episode. Uh, You can uh, actually comment right on the website. So if you go to starjoes.com and you have a Facebook account, you can actually comment right on the website. I have a couple of those comments to read next time we get together. Um, I think that's everything. Oh, you can find us on Stitcher Radio. It's a free app for your mobile devices, and you can make Star Joe's one of your favorites. And uh, please leave us an iTunes review. Uh, we haven't gotten any recently. We did get one uh, a couple months ago, but haven't had anything recently. With that, we'll go ahead and say uh, close the show by saying the Force will be with you. 
because knowing us is half the battle. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Whoa. Oh, my.